we are on air for Panther Racing's NASCAR Race Review of Martinsville. Uh, and just to give you an idea of what our night is going to look like, uh, we are going to start off with a few updates from the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West, and then we're going to do a review of the race that took place this weekend at Irwindale Speedway with the SRL Southwest Touring Series. At the top of the hour, we'll get into a few updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They did not race this weekend, but uh, we will give you a few updates uh, just to keep everybody up to pace. Uh, at about 8.15, we'll get into, I'm sorry, it'll be 9.15, we'll get into the Xfinity Series race that took place at Martinsville. And at 9.30, our guest is Dylan Zampa. He is uh, part of the Pro Late Model Series, and he's also an Alan Kowicki Driver Development Finalist. Uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago we had another driver who was a finalist. Well, tonight it's Dylan's turn to talk about his experience. Uh, at 8.45, we'll get into the NASCAR Cup Series at Martinsville, and then at 10 o'clock at the top of the hour, that's our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, it sounds like we'll have a, a full crew here for that at 10 o'clock, and I'm sure we have plenty to talk about from Martinsville. Sal Fidella is joining us now as co-host. So, Sal, welcome to the show. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. Okay. Well, I've gone through the, uh, the run-through of the evening here. And uh, now I just kind of want to get into the Arca Menard series. Uh, They're on a long break, as we all know. Uh, those of you that listen to us regularly, this is a lot of repeated information. But for those that are new to our show, uh, we still give the information so that everybody can have their calendars marked and ready to go. The next race for the Arca Menard series is the General Tire 200. Uh, and that will be at Talladega Super Speedway, April the 24th. Uh, the race starts somewhere around noon, I'm sorry, 1 p.m. Eastern Time and will be televised on Fox 1. Uh, after that, the next race would be the Arkham Menard Series East. The Music City 200 will take place on May the 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And that's a really cool um, reward that they get uh, for racing at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. I believe it's a uh, jukebox. So one of the nicer uh, rewards for winning. So. Yeah, it is. Um, yes, it is very. Um, I'm sorry, you Sharon. Mean? I'm just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Can't find the word. Couldn't find the word for it. I got kind of tongue twisted there. That's okay. Uh, the Suit Jeep Showdown is part of the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, there are 20 races for the Arkham and Art Series. Ten of those races are a separate uh, championship, and it's called the Suit Jeep Showdown. And the first race for the Suit Jeep Showdown takes place on May the 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The Earth's Potato Chip 200 will be televised on MAV-TV. So uh, for those folks that have that, they'll be able to watch that live. 
and then finally for the Arkham Arts Series West, uh, their next race is June 5th at, uh, let's see, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, the General Tire 200, uh, and both that and the East Race at the Music City 200 at Nashville Fairgrounds are available as part of the NBC Gold Track Pass package. Uh, so if you have that, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of both of those events. So uh, that gets you up to date with what's coming up next uh, for all of the Arkham and Art series. And uh, i got to tell you, uh, Sal, Arca, if you go to arcaracing.com, they have a lot of great articles up there to keep fans up to date with what's going on with a lot of the drivers in these series as well. Yeah, they um they do a good job of you know you know you know like you said you know trying to keep everybody up to date you know um you know especially you know when they have such a such a long um such a long uh, uh, band before you know in between, in between races you know to to be, to start the schedule out. Yes, so this is a great chance to get to know who some of the drivers are. There's a couple of uh, ten questions uh, segments here. One is with Brett Holmes so you can get to know him a little bit better. But there's another one for 16-year-old Sammy Smith, uh, another Joe Gibbs uh, racing driver. Uh, there's 10 questions to get to know him as well. Uh, there's some updates on Taylor Gray. Uh, some of you may or may not know that he was involved in a streetcar accident, uh, a one-car accident. Uh, he had a broken uh, lumbar uh, as well as uh, an additional surgery for ankle and leg injuries. So, but he's expected to make a full recovery, so you can kind of be up to date with what's happening with Taylor Gray there as well. So a lot of really great articles there. Yeah, there is. Uh, you just got to just, you know, go in there, you know, check it out, you know what, and, you know, take some time, you know, to see what they, um, you know, see what they have um uh, you know, coming up, you know, for the upcoming, uh, for the upcoming uh, uh, race season. Exactly. This is a great way uh, for everybody to get to know who these drivers are uh, so that you recognize who they are when they're out there on the track. They've got something here on Todd Gibbs, on Andy Jakowiak, uh, Gracie Trotter has an article, uh, Tony Bridinger has a feature, uh, driver Howie Zisavino the third also has a, a feature. He's getting ready to make a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series debut. And then there's all kinds of uh, videos that you can watch as well and uh, some of the latest photos uh, that are available. So I really encourage everybody to really check that out. Uh, as far as the standings, we'll start with the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, we've got Corey Heim leading that series by just two points over Todd Gibbs. Uh, Drew Dollars behind by nine points. Kyle Sieg, the brother of Ryan Sieg, is 12 points back, and Thad Moffat is 26 points back. That rounds out the top five in that series. Yeah, we've got a tight, uh, a tight um, points battle going on over there. We do. In the East, they only have two races in the book so far, but Sammy Smith has the lead. Uh, Taylor Gray, we just spoke of him, he had that one-car accident and is expected 
to make a full recovery. He's right now in second place. He's eight points back. Then there's Max Gutierrez at nine points back. Mason Diaz minus 10. And Joey East is 15 points back. So another tight points battle there among the top five drivers in that series. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, only two races in. You know, a lot's a lot's going to happen before the um, you know before the end of the season. You know, we get you know hopefully by the time we get to the halfway break too. Exactly. Now the Arkham Art Series West had their season opener out at Phoenix Raceway a few weeks ago, and so they have one race in the books. And uh, Ty Gibbs actually leads the series points there right now. I don't know. Uh, we're, we'll probably see a bit of a shake-up here because a lot of these are East drivers that are in the top five. Uh, but when you get down to six, we hit our, uh, what, who we know is an Arca West regular. So let me start with Ty Gibbs at the top of the list. Six points behind him is Corey Heim. Uh, seven points behind is Thad Moffat. Kyle Sieg, again, at ten points back. And Derek Krause who is actually racing full-time in the truck series, is uh, 10 points back. So that rounds out the top five. But then Jesse Love from the West is in sixth place. So uh, we'll see that shake up as the season progresses for the Arkham and Art Series West. Oh, yeah. By, by, the, by the race after, um, by the time we get past uh, Sonoma in a couple months, that um, – you won't you won't see Ty, Corey, Dad, Kyle, or, or them up up top of the, or even Derek at that. It'll probably be Jesse, and uh, you'll start seeing like Jesse, uh, Todd Sousa, Trevor Huddleston, um, Cole, right. who's running who's running um running the full season here. Dean Thompson is running the full season. Jake Drew is running the full season. With uh, actually Jake and um, Trevor Huddleston are running for um, Sunrise Ford this year, the full season. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, now, this past weekend, Sal, there was a race at Owendale Speedway with the uh, Spears Southwest Touring Series. And uh, I don't, you probably didn't get a chance to go there uh, to see this, but were you able to watch it on uh, Spears Racing TV? <laughs> Actually, I was there. I just didn't post. Oh, nothing. you were there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't post anything. I, I, I even some of my buddies that were taking selfies. I said, "Don't put nothing on Facebook." I'm still on disability, but yeah, I went up there. I I shot the whole. I shot the three races: the the Spears Southwest Modified Tour, the South Spears Southwest Prolates, and of course the Spears Southwest. Um, tour race so if 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 you go to the um spears um spears southwest tour facebook page the three victory lane photos or those are all mine but i told kevin and brian don't don't put any i didn't put watermarks on the photos i said don't put any 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 kind of indication that i was there i had to tell my buddies don't even usually i post that i'm there you know i post updates during the race and i didn't i couldn't put anything so but yeah i was there at the race Oh my! <laughs> I, I know I shouldn't have, but no, no, uh, nobody was expecting <laughs> it. I, I got called after. Hey, we thought we seen you at the track, but you just stopped to say hi. I go, nope. I go, I was undercover. But okay. it was a very good, so, very, 
very good race. So uh, I'm looking for the race results here. Uh, okay, I found so, the standings. So who won the race? Yeah. Then? Okay, so Derek 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 Dorn did win the race. He started seventh. Um, they had a he actually qualified seventh. Didn't have a really good qualifying effort. But then um, when they when they because the Spears they uh, the top ten drivers they um, they have a redraw, and um, so Derek and no the top seven drivers have a redraw. Eight, I think it's eight. I think it is the top ten. Either way, Derek started from the seventh spot, worked his way up. Him and Buddy Shepard actually Buddy Shepard led led most of the race. The number twenty two, which is a uh, uh, a driver out of out of Bakersfield, California. And then uh, about midway through, then um, Derek kind of kind of came in and took the lead. And from there, it was uh, it was Derek Thorne all the way to the end. So the way they finished, it was um, uh, Derek Thorne finished first. Jacob Gomes, who started tenth, and lost their rear end on Friday night. So after the last practice, they spent the evening putting a new rear end in the car to get it ready for Saturday. So he went out and he practiced on Saturday, qualified Saturday, and ended up finishing second in the race. And then Cole Raz, who we had on the show last week for the uh, uh, Kawiki, not last week, but two weeks ago, for the talked about his um, his participation in the Kawiki Environmental Develop Program, finished third. Christian McGee, who we had on after he won the the um, okay. Chili Willie 150 <laughs> oh, that's four right. weeks ago, yeah, finished fourth. And then Kel Kanky, Kel Kanky was fifth. So that that kind of rounded out your top five. And then from there, six was Preston Peltier, who we've had on the show before. Seventh was Brandon Farrington, who we've had on the show before. We've had Buddy Shepard. He finished eighth. Ninth was Carlos Vieira, who we've had on the show a couple times. And also then rounding out the top ten was Blaine, uh, uh, Blaine Rocha. Round out the top ten. Oh, very the cool. Series po- yeah, the series point standings won't be updated until – tomorrow until Tuesday and then they'll by then Brian will post them he'll update everything on either tomorrow night late or, or Wednesday. But there but there well, will be a shake up as far says, as the points go. It says the twenty twenty one touring series standings oh after Irwindale too. Wouldn't that be Oh it does. Be updated? Yeah. So let I can me, go over let me that. check. Yeah, go I've ahead and go over while I go to the to the page. Okay, I've got Preston Peltier at the top of the list. He's got 340 points, followed by Buddy Shepard at 330 points. Jacob Gomes is at 310. Then Kale Kanky at 280 points. And Jace Hansen at 268 points. So that rounds out the top five. Yeah, those are the points. Moving to the next five. Huh? Sharon, that that's not updated. That's not because, updated. Um, okay, so no, it because, says Irwin Yeah. Too. Oh yeah, no, but 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 then if if you go at the top, it'll have four, and in the four ten spot, they haven't put the the points because Jace Hansen didn't run this week, and uh, and actually Jace Hansen would have dropped from from that fifth spot probably all the way down below. I would say all the way down to probably 22nd with Casey Roderick is probably where he would end up because Keith Spanger ran this week too. Yeah, so I, I actually I went to the page and on the 410 spot they haven't put the, they haven't put the points because Derek, Derek is going to make a huge jump probably 
Derek will probably jump in the third, maybe, possibly knocking Jacob Gomes out with the win. <coughs> so yeah, yeah, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a big shake up in the points. Especially um Christian McGee will okay. drop two be actually Christian will move up and then um Derek will jump on top of Christian and and um right. And Preston will be – it's going to be a close battle between Preston and – and actually, Derek – it'll Derek. be a close battle between Buddy and Derek when, when they when they shake out the point standings by tomorrow or or um, or uh, um, Wednesday. But the, the win for Derek was kind of unique because he this week he, he ran the, the 5150 um, sponsorship logo – Tim and Carlos Vieira are um, our teammates, and this was also Derek's 51st win in the um, in the, in the Spears um, Southwest Tour. So it was, it was kind of it was kind of neat that he got his 51st win and had the 5150 on his hood. So when we did the victory okay. name picture. We took the picture of the hood, and then Carlos went and updated his Facebook page. Very cool. Very cool. So Irwindale is a really popular track out there on the West Coast, and so this is usually a pretty big event. How was the attendance? Did they have attendance? You know, yeah, we finally had fans in the stands. So we we had um we had limited we had limited fans in the stands, which was still good. So I would say we it looked like about fifteen fifteen hundred or two thousand fans in the stands. I you know I, I wouldn't quote me on on you know you know as far as the um, actual attendance, but, um, you know, because we're at, at, at uh, limited capacity. But it was neat. It was oh, okay. neat to see the fans back. It was neat to see the fans back, and, um, you know, the fans were excited, you know, as well as, you know, you know everybody. And then, of course, you know, they had it. They showed the the race, you know, on Spears TV. But um, it was neat to finally see, to finally see, you know, fans back. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see how the rest of it goes you know, for the rest of the season, but Tim did make, kept making mention, you know what, is wear your, wear your mask, wear your mask, wear your mask, because two Orendale police officers were, um, were uh, patrolling the parking lot. They keep coming in and they were checking to see if, you know, if everybody's wearing their mask so they can go back to the city and tell the city, Hey, you know what, you know, the fans were wearing their, you know, and everybody in attendance was wearing, yeah, had their, their masks on, but, but even during in between races, Tim Tim was um he was uh kept telling people you know if you're not drinking or eating you know please put your mask on, and Tim even mm-hmm. went as far as to they went and walked the stands and they picked a couple fans that were wearing the mask and they went and gave them a, a ride along at the driving school mm. on, on on Sunday you know so that was a little a little added extra you know incentive. You know, but he made mm-hmm. it clear to the fans: as long as we wear the mask, we can keep we can keep having fans. But once once you guys break that rule, you know what? Then we're going to have to, um, you know, not allow the fans shut back and, you know, go and shut it down and go back to racing, you know, the way we were before the fans. But all in yeah. all, it was a really good event. Well, hopefully everybody. And, and you, yeah, you really got to get out there and get out and see one of these one of these uh, races, Sharon. One of these Spears races, well, you know, it's, 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 I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the top, well, it is, it, it is, in our opinion, and from what we've seen, and from what I've seen, it is the top touring super late model series right now that's going on in mm-hmm. the nation, because you have, 
you saw the Blizzard series that they run at uh, Five Flags, but they only run mm-hmm. like like five like five races a season, you know. And basically, what they run it for it, it's it's a tune-up for the Snowball Derby. But mm-hmm. um, you know, our 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 schedule, you know, is a lot bigger. And and you know, if you talk to Brian, you know, I would send Brian a message and tell him, "Hey, dude, you know what? Hook me up. You know, give me a flight in a hotel." <laughs> Oh, there you go. Well, I'll tell you what. The next race is actually at Stockton Speedway, and that's going to be on Saturday, May the 1st. Uh, so uh, are you going to be able to go to that one, Sal? Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that um, <laughs> I'm hoping that my my surgeon says that I can go back to work on the 3rd. So this way I can mm-hmm. drive out on the 30th, you know, and go the 30th or the 1st and then drive back home on the 2nd and then go back to work on the 3rd. So oh, that's okay. what if I'm the, hoping for. If you can't for. make it, if you're, if you're like me, I live in Illinois, so getting out there to these races is a little difficult. Um, one thing you can do is go to the srlsouthwesttour.com website. They have Spears Racing TV, and you can actually watch the races live streaming. Right, Sal? Yes. Yes, you can. And uh, I yes. watched. I watched the winter showdown from from my living room because I was I couldn't make it because I just got hospital and the mm-hmm. the um, the coverage is 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 top notch. I mean, it, um, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Best and Tommy Mason who who've had low budget TV. You can you can also follow low budget TV on Facebook, and um and they start out when they were kids with just these little cameras just having fun. They call it low budget TV because it was that's what it was, and just having fun out at the track filming. And, and now they not only do they do the Spears, they also do Irondale, but then they also tracks from around the country call them to film to do their races. So I mean they they went from from just two kids that were having fun at the track because you know their parents were at the track you know to actually um, to actually. Uh, you know, you know, making this a, a big event. So, um, but yeah, they they do a really they they do a heck of a job with the um, with uh, with with any race that they that they cover. But yeah, you can go to, to the uh, Spears website and see it's it's called Spears uh, Spears mm-hmm. Spears TV, I think it is. And um, they do a really good job. You can you can watch all the you, you can watch all the the current race that same day. And then I. Then on the website they have all the past races you can go back and watch it. Um, very very good racing. We had thirty cars on the half mile this weekend, so our car counts That's have been amazing. really good. So, oh yeah, lot lots of racing going on all the way around the track. And um, you know when you get the, you know thirty cars, you know thirty five cars out there, you know on a half mile, you know you know the series is doing something right. Exactly. Well, one worthy note here is that uh, Derek had uh, racing for autism on the car, but he also had 5150, and it was his 51st victory <laughs> this week at Irwindale as well. Yeah, it was, a, it was I'll, I'll tell you, they these guys put on a heck of a show. All of them, they all the drivers. They, all yes, of them, indeed. They, all of them. All of them. They, they, work well, hard. they work hard to get out there. We know Derek's uh, real busy, but uh, we're hoping at some point we can get him back on the show. 
uh, and kind of chat with him about this season. He's part of Byron and Carol Campbell's race team and has been a long-time driver with them. So uh, he always does a good job representing them. Yeah, you know, and actually, he, I, I know he kind of has trouble on Mondays, but maybe maybe we'll have to work him out on a Thursday, or maybe he mm. has a soft spot for Sharon, so maybe Sharon can go ahead and, and send him a, a, an invite. Oh, my. Uh, well, he's, he's a really nice guy. I met him out at Iowa Speedway a few years ago, so that was a lot of fun. Him and Ryan uh, was at uh, Irwindale Speedway, and I uh, had a lot of fun getting to know them out there. So that was that was a lot of fun when they were racing for the K&N Pro Series West. So really enjoyed meeting them. Okay, so with that, Sal, uh, let's go ahead and give a few updates here. I know we're a little ahead of schedule, but that's okay. Um, you know, the Truck Series did not race this weekend. Their next race is going to be at Richmond Raceway. Uh, and right now there's 40 teams that are listed for that uh, for that race. Uh, some notes, the number three of Howie DiSavino the third uh, will be in the number three. Uh, the number 32 will be Sam Mayer. The number 33, Keith McKee. The number 34 is a TBA right now. But uh, just, uh, you know, you heard us mention Howie DiSofino. They've got a feature on him over at uh, Arca Racing. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, but that race will take place Saturday, April the 17th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The green flag is expected at about 1.42 p.m. And it will be televised on FS1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250 laps over 175, 187.5 miles uh, for the day. The last race was the Pinty's dirt truck race, and that kind of shook points up a little bit, Sal, because uh, Martin Truex Jr. won that race. So uh, right now... We've got John Hunter Nemechek at the top of that list, but Ben Rhodes is the driver with two wins sitting in second. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, and I, I, I always wonder, you know, why they, I mean, they're going to run a Richmond. Why don't they just run in Martinsville too, you know, and, and just, you know, make yeah. it a, you know, bring bring all three, you know, bring all three, um, you know, all three series, you know, but, you know, I, I guess, it would be all, you know, because they want to run them. Yeah, they want to run them at night. You know, that's part of the reason. I mean, I that's the only thing I could think of would be one of the main reasons, you know, that they do this. But, um, yeah, yeah, but like you said, the, the driver's points did get um, did get shaken up after the uh, after the Bristol uh, dirt race. Yeah, and I think there's going to be some more uh, uh, jockeying for position that's going on here. Six points separate. Uh, ben Rhodes and John Hunter Nemechek, and then it's Sheldon Creed at 21 points back in third place, Matt Crafton in fourth place at 40 points back, and Stuart Friesen in fifth place at 53 points back. But um, just two points behind him is Austin Hill at 54 points back, then it's Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Todd Gilliland, 
and Austin Wayne South right now are the top ten drivers, uh, and it is ten drivers this year that are in the playoffs. So, but what's interesting here is right behind Austin Wayne South South, just two points behind him are Johnny Slaughter and Carson Hosevar, the rookie, and they're tied at 102 points back. So very, very close, just two points back from Austin Wayne South in that 10th spot. Then there's Brett Moffitt uh, and Raphael Assad. And if we go down to 15th, it's Chandler Smith at, at 16 points back of Austin Rowan South. So you can see where there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position uh, for this uh, bubble in the truck series. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of them. I'm sure, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're going to, we'll, we should see a win by Sheldon Creed and, and hopefully, you know, Matt Crafton, you know, before the end of the season too, you know, which is really going to shake, uh, you know, which is really going to shake everything up too. Um, Chandler Smith is, is really one to watch for too. You know, he's down in 15. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I think, you know, given the fact, you know, that he has a little bit more luck, you know, he, you know, he, he should technically be up there, you know, up in the, up in the top 10. So, um, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, an interesting thing, you know, interesting, you know, as we start to get to the, um, you know, we start to get to the middle and then, you know, even towards the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that the, the, the drivers to really watch this season are those drivers, uh, that are on that bubble, uh, from 10th all the way down to 15th or 16th. Uh, because as this season progresses, and like you say, when you get to the halfway mark, uh, a lot of these drivers are going to get better than they were during the first half of the season. And we're going to see some drivers that are below the line right now that are probably going to come up with some victories and uh, put themselves into the playoffs, which will displace some of the drivers uh, if they're not in that, if they're not securely in the top ten. Yeah, then we we could also see a couple of uh, surprises too, as far as you know, drivers that'll you know break into the, you know, um, into the win column. You know, there's you know there's there's still a few. I mean, uh, you know, Todd Gillen has has been knocking on the door. You know, he just needs to you know have a have a good run. Um, you know, then of course you know we got uh, Brett Moffitt and um, uh, um, Grant Infinger, who's also, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Christian Eckes has always shown, you know, some, you know, a lot of promise, you know, on different, uh, you know, on, on different, um, you know, different occasions, and it's good. It's going to be a good. Se- it's going to be a good ending to the se- to the season. When, once it, once we start getting, you know, towards the middle and towards the end of the season, it's going to. There's going to be a lot of, like you said, there's going to be a lot of shakeups. Ho- hopefully, you know, we, we get more, you know, more, um, you know, more race wins by the. Um, by the regulars, because I think Kyle Busch still has a few more races that he could still run in the truck series, which we know he's mm-hmm. going to use those up. Without a doubt. We mentioned how the Savino, the, uh, Savino the third is making his truck series debut at Mo- Richmond. He's actually racing for Jordan Anderson racing, so that's kind of cool to see. Uh, so look for him to be uh, racing. I'm trying to see if I can see a car number here. I don't. But uh, yeah, watch for him to be racing at Richmond, huh? Howie how, 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 Savino. Um, yeah, he's running in the three. 
the number three truck. Oh, that's right, the number three. That's right. And then yeah, another yeah, thing of it. note is uh, John Hunter and Taylor Nemechek had their first child. Our girl named Aspen Palmer Nemechek uh, was born on April the 3rd. So uh, kind of uh, really good news there for John Hunter. Yeah, you know, it is, you know, anytime, you know, gosh, you know, you you look at John Hunter Nemechek, you look, he still looks like he's like 15 years old, oh, you know, 15, 16 years old. He actually, doesn't even look like he's old. He don't look like he's the old enough to have a kid yet. Born. They announced on April the 3rd that the baby was actually born on March 31st. So they've got, uh, they had some pictures that they tweeted over on uh, Twitter so if you want to kind of check that out, you can follow John Hunter Nemechek at J.H. Nemechek and uh, see those pictures. Uh, so that's some of the news that's coming out there uh, with regard to uh, a couple of the drivers. Also, Mike Wallace and Josh Rayum have both been reinstated by NASCAR, so those drivers are now eligible to race again as well. <clears throat> yeah, I've seen that about about them coming. You know, I guess they went through the classes, and you know, so they're you know they're ready to uh, you know to see what happens if you know if they can get a ride. You know, see if uh, uh, if um, if Wallace can pick up a ride. You know, before the you know the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Also, NASCAR has announced that they're going to allow limited hospitality starting at Darlington Raceway. So uh, that's good news for a lot of fans as well because uh, we haven't had that uh, with the pandemic. So you can see that that's uh, lightening up a little bit. That will happen the weekend of May 7th through the 9th. So those folks who are over in the Darlington area, and can make that race, uh, that's really good news for those those uh, fans. You know, and, and I, you know what, and it's funny because with the pandemic, you know what, it just it just hit different. It just hit different, you know, in every in every in every state. You know, every state has different restrictions. You know, so you go from, mm-hmm. you know, you go from state to state. You know, and the, the restrictions are all different. Exactly. So, you know, just keep watching for more news to come out because I think as the season goes on, we'll see more and more good news. At least I've got my fingers crossed for that. So another big announcement is Brad Goss is going to make his truck series debut at the Circuit of Americas with CMI Motorsports. He'll be driving the number 49 that weekend, and that's a race that I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a that's going to be a real interesting race, you know. Um, you know to, to see that you know the trucks get out there and and you know and and mash it up out there. Um, On the road course again, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be another unknown. You know, I'm not sure how. I don't think NASCAR has said anything. You know, about if they're going to allow you know, any, any practicing or qualifying, well, you know, they, I think they're probably going to do the qualifying they, they haven't done, but, you know, but as far as, you know, letting them get out there and practice like they did when they brought the Roval in. 
Exactly. Well, another driver, uh, some people who follow the sports car racing world will recognize this name, Cameron Lawrence. He's a sports car racing champion, announced that he's making his Camping World Truck Series debut with Rayom Brothers, racing the number 33, also at the Circuit of the Americas. So uh, I think we'll see some uh, new names uh, racing that event. A lot of new names. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we are. Probably even some of the Cup drivers are going to get out there, you know, because it's going to be the first season. The first year, you know, they actually, you know, you know that they actually get to race on that track, and you know, I mean, when you think about it, you know, it's a Formula One track, you know, big road course, you know, and um, you know, it's gonna, it's a lot longer than, you know, than any of the other um, uh, road courses they race on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you remember Jessica Friesen had planned to run at Bristol on dirt. Uh, and with the rain delay, it kind of altered her plans considerably. But now she's announced that she's shifting her focus to race at Knoxville. Uh, so when they have the race uh, at Knoxville, she's going to be behind the wheel of the number 62 Toyota uh, at Knoxville uh, during that race weekend out there in Iowa. So I think that's uh, really good news. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm curious if if, uh, if Stuart Friesen's wife is going to try to make a, you know, take a stab, you know, trying to make the field out there too, since it's a, you know, since it's it's another it's another dirt another dirt track. Right. Well, they're going to race out there in July, and exactly this is the other dirt track that's on the schedule. So she mentioned it on uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, that she was planning to do that. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see both Stuart and Jessica uh, driving on dirt out there at Knoxville in July. Yeah, we just got to hope that the pandemic doesn't shut it down like it did over here at Bristol. You know, they you know they weren't allowed to you know you know qualify you know, and you know you know you know hopefully you know you know they allow the you know the you know, the, the teams, you know, to have their, you know, to allow outside teams the chance, you know, to also make the show. Exactly. Well, that was a rain delay. It had more to do with the rain delay than the pandemic. Uh, but hopefully we'll pray for dry weather and, uh, and uh, enough humidity to keep the track uh, workable, but uh dry enough that uh, we don't have to worry about a saturated track like we did at uh, Bristol. Yeah, that was, that was, um, that was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was um, very disappointing. That was a disaster. It was a disaster waiting to happen, but, but it, but it never really materialized into a major disaster, but it was disaster enough to where it was, you know, You know, it was, it was just disaster enough. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, was, I mean, it, it just... was one of the most anticipated races of the year was that Bristol Dirt Race. Yeah, now they're announcing they're going to have it again next year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we'll, um, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Did you see the that they were talking about possibly putting a roof on at Bristol? I didn't see. I didn't see that that they were they were going to do that. 
they're looking at there's it. There's a whole so bunch of There's a lot of things that they've got to take into consideration, but we'll see what happens. Oh, man, can you imagine the cost it would, it would cost them to put a to put a roof over that place? <laughs> it would be a pretty penny, that's for sure. We oh, talked a little man, bit about it on the Hot Topics last Thursday. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be a storyline to follow as they uh, kind of research it and analyze whether or not it's feasible for them to do it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I hope they don't because racing is meant to be outside, not under a, you know, not under a, um, you know, a, a an awning or, or, or roof or anything like that. Exactly. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on, Sal, to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They did race this weekend out at Martinsville, um, and it was the Cookout 250. Uh, they actually started it on Friday night, um, and uh, they finished it 40 hours later. Josh Berry came out as the winner at Martinsville for his first career uh, victory after his 13th start. Noah Gregson finished second. He won the $100,000 Dash for Cash bonus. Daniel Hemrick finished third, followed by Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones rounding out the top five. Then it was Austin Sendrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Justin Allgaier, and Michael Lynette rounding out the top ten. Gregson won the first stage, which concluded on Friday evening, while Hemrick picked up his third stage victory of the season in stage two. There were 13 lead changes among 10 drivers and 12 cautions for 75 laps, and uh, it was it was an interesting race. Yeah, it was. It was a really good race. You know, it was, um, you know, Ty Gibbs, I think Ty Gibbs led, he went up there and, and and he, I think he 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 led a few laps too. Um, it was a, uh, you know, it got down towards the end, and it looked like Noah was going to catch Josh, but you know, just didn't have enough car left or anything, and, and you know, Josh ended up picking up the win. It was, I guess, it's from what uh, social media has been saying, it was a very emotional win for Dell Jr. You know, he. Oh yeah. You know, he came on and said that he's never cried for a race win like that. You know, not even he when he's won a race. You know, and you know, he said he you know he cried for his you know for his uh, for, for this win. Um, Daniel Hemrick well, looked like earlier. he was going to be the race. Yeah, I, Daniel I, Hemrick looked like he was going to be, be the race winner. Just to uh, just to add on to Josh Berry, the last driver to win in the number eight was Dale Earnhardt Jr. And that was in 2006 at Michigan. So oh, uh, this is Josh Berry has the, the very next. It's taken this long for the number eight to go to victory lane. So it was an emotional win for that car number. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, he ran. A, I'll tell you, he ran a heck of a race. He ran a heck of a good race, and I was I was happy to see him. I was happy to see him win it. The rookie took these drivers to school, that's for sure. Uh, it was it was a fun race to watch. Uh, again, uh, there were 13 lead changes among nine drivers. The next race, by the way, for these guys is April the 24th, again, at Talladega Super Speedway. 
the margin of victory was 0.590 seconds. Uh, so that was a close finish. Do you have the points for us? I guess I guess the um, the owner of uh, Captain World came out and and, and uh, tweeted that you know that he he would um, he would sponsor Josh Berry at, at Talladega and if, and if he could win Talladega that he would sponsor him the next four races after that. Oh, that's awesome! Sal, do you want to go over the uh, points report? Yeah, let's do the points. So the points. Uh, the points as we look at it now, it's, um, here's the are right here. I got to tell you the what points, uh, uh, Marcus Lemonis is doing with uh, sponsoring a lot of these drivers. It's really is fantastic. Just trying to fill that. It is, you know, pulling it up. Yeah, it is, you know, but it, it's funny because there's a few fans that said it's great, but they said, is NASCAR hurting really that bad that the that the series sponsor has to sponsor all these different cars because NASCAR can't pull in any new sponsorship? Well, I don't think it's that necessarily. I think Marcus Lamonis is just putting the money out there. He did that all on his own. Uh, yeah. You know, just to say, I, I want these guys, I want these new drivers to have the, these opportunities. And he's gone out and said, whoever needs money, contact me. So the drivers are doing it, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. I mean, it it, it is. And, you know, what he's doing, you know, it's not cheap. No, it's not. You know, so... Okay, so let's go ahead and hear the points report. Okay, so so at the points, we're looking at Austin Sidrick is leading the points. Um, Daniel Hamrick second, Harrison Burton third, Justin Haley fourth, and Jeb Burton is rounding out the top top five so far this season. Uh, Austin Sidrick, of course, leading with with his two wins. And then from there, you know, then you know, then we go down the list, you know, to the other drivers, you know, who've also picked up wins this year. Okay, uh, the top twelve, I think, are the ones that go to the playoffs. So. Yeah, to the playoffs. Yeah. Then the next, uh, the next one from sixth on to twelfth would be uh, sixth is AJ Allmendinger, seventh is Matt Snyder. Eighth is Justin Allgaier. Ninth is Jeremy Clements. Tenth is Brandon Jones. Eleventh is Noah Gregson. And on the bubble is Michael Annette, who is only, wow, he's got a pretty good jump on Brandon Brown, who's 13th. He's on 10 points on top of Brandon Brown. And actually, Michael Annette and uh, Noah Gregson are both on the bubble since they both have 168. They both have 168 mm-hmm. points on both sides. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, now, Ty Gibbs, only three races in the books, but he does have a win. Also, Josh Berry, who's 17th, has a win. So those guys, if they decide to race the rest of this year and go after that championship, they would displace uh, Noah Gregson and Michael Annette because they have wins, whereas they do not. So that's something to kind of keep in mind here as well. Yeah, and also I 
think there was an announcement made that that um uh, what's his name um Santino Santino Ferrucci was going to run an Indy car. I don't know if he's running an Indy 500 or if he's just going to run an Indy race, but I think there was an announcement made um, earlier this week or over the weekend that um, he was going to be running an uh, Indy car. Do you anything okay, about yeah. that? I have not, but that's good news. It'll be fun to watch him. Um, he's been, I, I give him credit for, you know, coming into the Xfinity series and racing this year. It's, I like seeing those kind of crossovers. Yeah. Cause, um, here it is. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Cause actually he, he, uh, he did come from IndyCar. Yes. Yeah, I guess he so came from really IndyCar, then, and then he ran, and then he ran the Formula Twos with the um, F1 series. And uh, but they said they, I can't find it, but I know I heard something earlier that he was going to be running uh that he was going to be um, back in uh, IndyCar. Oh, oh okay. yeah, he is. Um, is he, he's running is the Indy Five Hundred. He's going to run the Indy 500 okay, just, for um, uh, just just a one one off race. Here it is, right here. Okay. Santino Ferrucci to drive in Indianapolis 500 with Ray Hall Letterman. Uh, yeah, uh, that'll get racing. So he'll be um, he'll be a uh, um, uh, teammate with um, Graham Ray Hall. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yes. that'll bring a lot of fans over there to watch the uh, Indy 500 but it'll also bring them back to watch him in the Xfinity series as well. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, and, and yeah, I see that now too with Graham. Graham uh, with Ray Hall Letterman. Ray Hall. Yes, yes. So uh, some other news uh, that's happening with the uh, series. Uh, we mentioned the limited hospitality at Darlington. Uh, we talked a little earlier about the scuffle uh, between Greg Alding and Joe Graff Jr. after the Xfinity race at Martinsville. Uh, a little misunderstanding between those guys, huh? Yeah, there was, you know, and I, I felt bad because Blaine Perkins was caught up in it too. And we've had Blaine Perkins on, the, on our show, you know, a few times, you know, he's a driver from out here from Bakersfield, California. <clears throat> and he's only running a few races, I think five or six Xfinity races this year. And when, uh, when, when, um, Graf and Galding had their little, their little bump session, it happened that, um, Blaine was was right up in front of uh, in front of Graf and and Graf tapped the back, got to the side of fastly got to the side door of uh, Perkins and ended his day. And then afterwards, then Galding and uh, and Joe Graf Jr. end up in a in a fist fight at the inside the uh, pit area, pit garage area. Well, hopefully everybody walked away okay. And uh, hopefully those guys will have a chance to talk this week and kind of get things smoothed out. 
uh, before the next race. We'll have to wait and see how that continues to play out. Uh, that's going to be interesting because that's going to be interesting because Joe Graff Joe came out and said he goes he goes you know something about you know you know Galdi you know thinks he's like the muscle in the in the garage here or some something to that effect and then Graff said he goes he goes he goes but he's going to he's going to eat ice packs when he gets home he goes because oh, that's how that's how hard I hit him <laughs> so. Well, hopefully they aren't. Hopefully they aren't things out, and um, yeah. you know, it, you know, it it, it it got into a pretty interesting uh, uh, arguments back and forth on Twitter because of the fact that they used, used to be teammates and they both ran for the same team, and you know, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, the egos, the ego comes out in all of them, but. Well, and it happens, you know, tensions are always high during the race. Everybody's uh, got the adrenaline rush going on. And uh, sometimes it doesn't take much for for the the blood to boil, if you will. And uh, hopefully, like I say, when they kind of sit back and look at it, hopefully it's not as bad as it looked at the time. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if it continues on. But hopefully those guys will get a chance to talk it out and kind of put it all behind them. Uh, some I think other good news you, here. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, it, 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 just real quick, it's funny. Man, we're, we're, we sure are seeing a lot of fighting from uh, <laughs> from uh, the Affinity Series this year. Yeah, there has been a few already. <laughs> it's early in the season, and it's already uh, kind of intense. Uh, another bit of news here is Austin Sendrick is going to be returning to Cup Series competition at Richmond. So uh, he'll be racing the Toyota Owners 400, and uh, he'll be in a Verizon car in the number 33. So uh, look for Austin Sendrick to be in that Cup Series race. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's, he's, he's getting a lot of... Um get a lot of seat time in the in the cup race this year um you know i guess they're, they're getting them ready you know to you know for when he makes the move next season so you know you might as well give him all the seat time he could possibly get he can get used to the series running longer races running against a lot tougher field you know and just everything you know that just just the transition you know that all the drivers have talked about you know going from xfinity to cup you know it's really a you know it's really a, a, a huge you know, how they, one one driver said it's like a big old wake up call. You know, once you get there. Yes, indeed. Uh, some other news from uh, Martinsville is concerns the number ninety nine of Daniel Suarez. His crew chief Travis Mack uh, for Trackhouse Racing was ejected from the infield and, uh, at Martinsville for an improperly attached ballast in the jack post. So Jose Blasco Figueroa served as the interim crew chief for Suarez for the uh, Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. Uh, He was Suarez's crew chief at Atlanta earlier this year when Max served another suspension for two loose lug nuts at Phoenix. So uh, NASCAR further reviewed it and said that... uh, the team has been penalized with the loss of 10 NASCAR Cup Series championship driver owner points. Uh, they will start at the rear 
of the field for the Blue Emu uh, 500, and the crew chief, as we mentioned, was ejected from the event. So that was kind of big news regarding Daniel Suarez. Yeah, it was, and, and even during the, well, I guess we'll talk about that later, but during the cup race, his car got fire, and, and nobody went to the car, and he was standing on the wall looking like, hey, is someone going to come put my car out, or are they just going to let it burn to the ground? Wow, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, you you expect uh, fast service when something like that's going on, so you got to wonder what, why, what took them so long to respond. Here's some news that you'll like, Sal. Sonoma Raceway is welcoming fans to the NASCAR race weekend. Yeah, I I, I, I got the email from I, I I got the email from Sonoma and I and I read through it. I thought that was you know pretty neat. I'm just curious what they're going to do about letting us, you know, if they're going to let us have access, you know, to get our photo passes this year, you know, and shoot the you know the Cup race. I know the the Arca West race won't be that hard because I can go through um, Chris Wright and get and get my pass through there. But I'm mm-hmm. curious if they're going to let us, you know, if they're going to let us do the whole well the whole weekend is just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, anyways. But the, you know, to be able to you know to do the Cup race on Sunday too, that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But that's yeah. that's neat, you know, just to hear all in all, you know, that the tracks are finally starting to open, you know, and they're getting mm-hmm. the fans back. Um, Sonoma, they always they get a good crowd every year, you know, because it's out it's out in the out in wine country and you know it's a it's a real big uh, they got seats all 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 around the was it um, twelve twelve turn track so you know that that's that's great news when you start hearing you know the tracks are opening up. Yes, it is. Uh, but we're uh, just about to have your guest show up. He's not here yet. But why don't you give us a little bit of background on your guest, Sal? Okay, our, our guest is, is Dylan Zampa. He's a racer from out here in uh, from uh, the northern part of California. Um, he's another um, finalist for the um, for the Kawiki uh, Driver Developmental Program, which we talked about two weeks ago. We had Cole Raz on. He told us, you know, about you know, what, you know, how he felt, you know, about getting picked and what it means to him, you know, we'll get to talk to Dylan about the same thing, you know, a little bit about, you know, his career. Um, he was, uh, uh, he, he races, he's, he's, he grew up racing, um, basically out, out of Madera. He, you know, he did a lot of racing out there, um, picked, picked up a, a big win last year in, in, in Madera, you know, which we'll talk about, about that race too, beating his brother out and got to pocket the $5,000 in first place cash. And um, kids got a lot of talent, uh, you know, a lot of promise. And um, he raced this past weekend out here at Urindale too in the, in the prolates. He doesn't race in the tour race, but he runs the prolates. And he also runs the prolates over at, um, at Madera for the, for their MAV TV program that they have over there. So uh, really, He's really here, neat Sal, family. You want to go ahead and, if you want okay. to go ahead and introduce them. Yeah, so, and so let's um Yeah, let let let's go ahead and welcome our next guest, uh uh Dylan Zappa to the to our uh to our show this week. Um first of all, Dylan, congratulations on the um on the uh on the nomination, you know, for the uh for the um for the Cookie Driver Developmental Program. And also 
for the second place finish this past weekend at Orndale Speedway with the, um, you know, running the uh, the Spears um, uh, Pro League division. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, our team worked really hard last weekend uh, getting both cars dialed in, so I uh, can't thank them enough for uh, giving me the opportunity to run up front. You know, and actually it was a very, it was a very, very interesting race, you know, a very good run race. Um, it seems like Gordon kind of fixed that little bump right there in three and four, because I know for the showdown, it seemed like you guys were, were launching off of it. And I was, I was watching, you know, a lot of the drivers, you know, if you guys were, you know, kind of running a little bit lower, you know, back in that groove, it seems like that, that spot got a little bit more, a little bit more flat. doesn't seem like you were getting that much. Um, it, it wasn't too bumpy through there. Uh, yeah, usually, usually, um, to get around three and four really good, you kind of want to put your left side below that yellow line and kind of go over it. But like during the race, though, you kind of want to hit it because it kind of helps your car turn because that track is just super aggressive on the tires. So it just really, it eats up the tires and like no, there's like no tread left, like on lap, like I, I feel like on like lap 10, you're just sideways the whole time. So, you know, you got to really pace yourself in that race and not, you know, push, right from the get-go like some people do. You know, and actually the last race out here for the All-Star Showdown, you and Jeremy had put on a, you know, you guys had really put on a really good show. I mean, there was a couple of times that you were right up on Jeremy on his, you know, on his, on his quarter panel. And I thought, man, I thought, I thought Dylan's just going to give him just that little shove, you know, just to kind of move him out of the way. But then, you know, you guys, you know, I understand the respect that you guys have for each other, you know, being friends, you know, and, and, you know, all the history you have together, but that was a really good race. And, and of course, then you, you come back Saturday, you know, you finish second, you know, with, with Tyler Reef, you know, who was actually, who actually, you know, had led a, you know, a good portion of that, of the race on, um, on, on Saturday night. Yeah. Me and Jeremy, we have a really good relationship. So usually if me and him are racing, it's always clean passing and like we don't ever really bump each other because his dad and Dwayne Sharp all help my dad and my brother with setup and all that stuff. So, you know, without, without Mike, uh, you know, my car wouldn't be as fast as it would be right now. So I can't thank Mike and Dwayne Sharp enough for the super fast setup. But, uh, yeah, uh, me, Jeremy and Tyler had a really good race. There was a little bit of bumping with me and Tyler, but just, you know, good hard racing that, I mean, that track just eats up tires. So me and him were just sideways. So we were kind of leaning on each other, but you know, just, uh, disrespect the off the track. And so me and him, me and Tyler have a really good relationship. So, so, um, kind of give us a, uh, a little bit of history on, on, on how you got started racing, you know, um, what age did you start, you know, and, and what was it that, you know, from all the sports, you know, you know, as you're growing up, especially, you know, still being in school, you know, you, you know, you got the, you know, chance at football, you know, you got basketball, you got baseball, you know, different sports, but what was it that, that drew you to, to auto racing? Uh, my dad, uh, he, he started racing when he was five. Um, uh, his dad, my grandpa, he, uh, he never raced race cars. He always built them, uh, from ground up and, uh, they were always super fast. And then, my grandpa put my dad in racing, and my dad raced from age five to like twenty-four. And then when my brother turned around like six or seven, he hung up the steering wheel and pursued my brother racing. And then my I think my brother was like eight or nine, and I turned five, and my dad put me in racing also. And we started out in quarter midgets, and uh, I raced those for like nine, 
10 years, something like that. And uh, we had a lot of success in that. We went we went back east a couple times. We went to uh, Indiana. Um, we actually won the Brickyard there. So they, they had a uh, – they set up a, a mini track inside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the parking lot on the inside. So that was really cool to win that. There was over 600 – cars entered in that race so to win that race is really big for me and my dad wow and then um let's also talk about your big win at, at, at madera too you know you you know you, you beat your brother out you know for the you know for the big prize out there you know which um you know which every, everyone on the west coast knows you know that madera has their you know their math tv um series you know where um where kane shepherd you know offers the anywhere from five to ten thousand to win races out there yeah, Kenny puts on a really good show. He puts a lot of time and effort into uh, making those races really big. And when he puts up those big pays, he uh, gets a lot of cars. He gets um, the High Point Racing Team. He gets all the DOS crew. Uh, he gets me and my brother. Uh, he does, he gets a lot of people. He gets, like, the Sherminska crew. Um, just a lot of big names show up to those big races that he has. And it's a, it's a very good show. It's always, like, the top 10 or top 15 always within like a 10th or two tenths. So it's always really tough racing there. Oh, you got to always bring your a game when you show up to Madeira. Yeah, you do. And you know what? Let's, um, let's talk a little about the, um, about the, uh, uh, quickie, uh, driver developmental program. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, in 2019, I signed up for it and, uh, I didn't make it to the semifinalists, but uh, I uh, when it, 2021 came around, I was like, I'm gonna put my head down and and really, really dig hard and racing and social media and all that stuff. And um, I I got picked to be in the semifinalists, and I was super excited to make the semifinalists because my brother made that, and uh, you know, Tom asked me a couple questions and. I tried to I answer them as best as I could, and Tom Tom saw something in me that that no one else saw, so he picked me, which is really really wild because you know just a just a 17 year old kid from Napa, California, so it's really a honor to be picked into that. So currently, right now, we're uh, putting our head down and we're taking uh, taking our time with racing and. Trying to finish in trying to finish in the top five as many races as we can get get some points for the Spears and get some points for the Kowicki stuff also. Hmm, interesting. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to the show host Sharon because I know she has some more questions about the program and about uh, about your uh, driving career. Sharon. Hi, Dylan. I'm so glad you were able to come on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh well. Uh, I'm real interested in this Kowicki uh, dri- Driver Development Program and, and the fact that you're a finalist. It's a huge accomplishment. Uh, and uh, what was the hardest thing? I know you said the first time you tried out, it didn't work out. So what did you do differently this time uh, that really helped you? And, and what was the hardest part to become a finalist? Um. Just uh, to me personally, what got me in, I think, was just being being truthful, you know, putting everything out there, you know, putting that, you know, like if you wrecked a race, you know, putting putting a lot of like 
small details in there to like kind of catch their eye, you know, like, like, uh, I talked about my quarter midget career and then I kind of, I kind of skipped over to the late model stuff and showed in my first pro late model race I won. And, uh, I raced, I raced legend cars a couple times, you know, just putting all the little details in there that makes a big difference when it, when it comes to that type of stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing because it kind of shows that you you know about those details and uh, have that kind of depth of knowledge about your car and, and what's happening with your racing. So that's really cool to hear uh, that, that that did make a difference. Uh, now, when you think about the Kowalski Driver Development Program, uh, and hopefully you're, you're one of the finalists, uh, so when do you find out if you've made it into the program? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm already like in the program. They already, they already did the semifinal and stuff. So I'm, I'm one of the Kowicki seven. So, so it, it started oh, April okay. 1st. So, so, so far I got well, it. I, in my, in my, um, Kowicki, uh, start, you have to race a minimum of 15 races. So, so far we have uh, two races under our belt, and we'll be back at Madera Speedway in two weeks for the uh, round three of the Mad TV series. So, we'll be back uh, there, and we'll be a little bit, we'll be stronger than we were the first time. It's just, it was a while since I've been there, so getting getting the car dialed in from all the other races we've raced was a little difficult, but, I mean, we got it dialed in. We um, came home with a third place in our first race there, so we'll be back uh, in two weeks, and uh, we should be able to get a, um, another podium finisher or even a win. Have you had a chance to talk to any of the other drivers that have kind of won, uh, you know, been the, at the top of the list there uh, to see what their experience was and if they were able to give you any tips? Uh, yeah, I, uh, Jeremy Doss, he actually won the Kowicki Cup in 2019. So uh, I've been talking to him, and he's kind of been helping me with social media stuff, you know, telling me kind of kind of guiding me through all the little stuff that matters so with the community service he's been helping me with that a little bit telling me kind of like go big or you know go small this time go big but uh he he's been helping me um on and off the racetrack we talk all we uh we we message almost every day so me and him always are talking so me and him are really good buddies um i'm talking to uh, michelle martin uh, horsepower project i'm always talking to her about stuff write-ups all that stuff so uh she helps me uh jeremy helps me mike doss helps me Dwayne sharp helps me my whole family uh just everyone that kind of supports me and my brother's race car they all kind of pitch in sometimes when i go to the food bank or something to buy food to give back to the community so just all the little things that kind of matters to me yeah that's very very cool now, what, do you, what are your aspirations? Uh, do you want to go into NASCAR at some point or maybe race in the Arkham Menard Series at all? Uh, yeah, that would, that would be a really uh, big accomplishment if I can get in that. But it's very hard, you know, to get into the Arca Series. Um, I know all those big teams, they look for a lot of stuff and certain stuff. So, you know, just trying to trying to check off some check marks that I need to be able to, you know, get a get a win in the Spears would be a really big accomplishment to check off um uh to uh-huh. finish second in the points to finish second in the points and get that uh to get that SPS ride at 
for the 2022 season uh, would also be a very big accomplishment. Okay. Well, we wish you the best, Dylan, in your uh, pursuit of all of that. And uh, are there any other shout-outs that you want to make before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, all my sponsors so far: uh, Anderson Logging, Valley Fabrication, PSD Brakes, um, CNC Carburetors, uh, All Pro Coating, um, Ernest Performance, um, my dad, my mom, um, Chris Kaiser, Matthew Kaiser, um, Michelle Martin, Dwayne Sharp, Mike Doss, Jeremy Doss, all the all the Doss crew for putting in. A lot of work to help me and my brother be fast at the racetrack. So I can't can't thank all my sponsors and the DOS crew enough for uh, getting me this far. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So Sal, I know you want to say goodbye as well. Yeah, actually, Dylan, I just, I just have one more question for you before we let you go. How hard is it to balance your schedule? You know your you know your driving schedule, and especially now, you know with the with the Kowicki developmental program with your schoolwork. Um, it's not, it's not too hard. Uh, my teachers in Napa at least are, um, they're, they know what, you know, what's going on in the world. They, they're, they're dealing with it also. So they're not really, uh, given too much homework, but they give a little bit of homework during the week. So I usually get it all done on Thursday, Thursday night before I leave on Friday to go to all the racetracks. But, uh, like when I go to Irwindale and probably when I go to, uh, Kern County Raceway, when we leave on Thursday, I'll take my uh, my Chromebook with me, and on Friday morning before practice, I'll uh, hop on my Zoom classes, make sure I'm not missing any homework or not missing anything important like a test or a quiz, something like that. So I I'm pretty good at balancing that stuff. So um, yeah, so it's not it's not terribly hard for me, but uh, some but uh, I'd rather I'd like to be homeschooled, but uh, my parents won't let me <laughs> my parents won't let me do that. <laughs> So what? So so what's it like to have the fans back finally? You know, after racing, you know, a whole season, you know, with no fans in the stands, and you know, just basically, you know, I guess most of the drivers we talked to, you know, just going through the motions, you know, you know, no, you know, I mean, we still haven't had the the, um, uh, you know, how we always have the, the autograph session before the races, which I'm sure those will probably pick up here pretty quick. But, I mean, going a whole season without, you know, not having no yelling or screaming from the fans, you know, having your friends come down and watch and other family members. Yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, actually stocked in 99 Speedway for round two of the Spears Series. They had fans, and I when I walked out there for the main event and I got out of my car, I was like, wow, this feels so weird because they were, they were cheering, and that was before the race started. So it was it was uh, overwhelming to me, at least. Uh, I was like, wow, there's a lot of people up in those stands. And uh, so it's a, it's very good. You know, finally uh, we get to uh, actually, you know, get out of our car and actually, you know, cheer to the crowd for for winning a race or something like that. So it's, uh, it's very cool to have fans back. So I'm uh, excited to be back at Madera. They're supposed to have fans back for that race. So uh, excited to be back at Madera Speedway with fans. Awesome. Well, Dylan, we just, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, me and Sharon. And, uh, you know, we want to wish you all, you know, of course, you know, the best of luck, you know, in the season, you know, coming up, you know, as, you know, as you start to, you know, progress, you know, in, into the program and hopefully, you know, you end up, you know, on top of, you know, everything. And, uh, 
with that, you know, we want to wish you, like I said, the best of luck the rest of the season. And hopefully, you know, we'll get you back on again, you know, you know, grab a race win. We always, we have a uh, segment before we start. It's called winter circle. You know, we usually get our winners, you know, inside, you know, which is the first segment of the show. So hopefully, you know, we can get you back then. And with that, we just want to say once again, good luck. And um, thanks for being on show. And we'll talk to you uh, at the racetrack. Thank you. Uh, hopefully I'll be back in the winter circle at the Stockton for the next year's race. All right. Sounds good. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Go ahead. Okay, good night. All right, Sal, that was uh, a fun interview with uh, Dylan Zampa there, so uh, I hope he does come back in the winner's circle. Oh, I'm sure we'll see him back. He's he's on a mission right now, and, uh, you know, he's – really good racer, you know, really clean racer, you know, I was, you know, like I, you know, I was talking to, you know, about the first race at the, at the, um, at Orindale for the showdown, you know, him and, you know, Jeremy, you know, were, you know, bumping and banging. And then this past weekend too, you know, with Tyler, with Tyler Rice. And, uh, I'll tell you these, these, these young drivers, they really put on a heck of a show. It's amazing when you go through the, through the, um, when you go through the driver lineup and you look at the average age of the driver, how much it's dropped from like back, um, oh man, I don't even know how many years ago back, but it was like, you know, in the twenties and now, you know, they're like down, you know, 17, 18, 16 years old, you know, and, and you take the average age, it's just dropped tremendously, but the talent level uh-huh. is there. I'll tell you that these, they put on, they really put on one heck of a, a good show out there. Well, that's really good to know, uh, and we'll we'll keep an eye on what goes on. But let's go ahead and move on before we run out of time. Let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series review at Martinsville. Uh, it was actually won by uh, Martin at Martinsville. Uh, the number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. won the rain-delayed Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 at Martinsville this Sunday. The win was his second of the year and his second win at Martinsville and the 29th career victory for Martin Truex. The number nine of Chase Elliott finished second, followed by Denny Hamlin, William Byron, and Kyle Larson. The full fitter Joey Logano finished next, followed by Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick, and then Kyle Busch. The race concluded on Sunday after being postponed with 42 laps complete on Saturday night. Uh, but it was delayed because of rain. Truex took the lead under pit stops during the final caution of the race. He was the leader as the race went back to green with 42 laps left. Hamlin passed him on the next lap, held the lead until 15 laps to go when Truex grabbed the lead back and pulled away for nearly a two-second margin of victory. Stages one and two were actually won by Ryan Blaney, There are 18 lead changes among seven drivers, 15 cautions for 102 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 67.315 miles per hour. So uh, uh, pretty pretty cool uh, to see the finishes there. Anthony Alfredo was actually the highest finishing rookie of the race. I'll tell you that race was... There was a lot of there was a lot of wrecks. There was a lot of bumping. There was a lot of grinding. I'm surprised there wasn't a there fight was a after lot, that. There race. was a big one. Oh, and then they had the big one too that that blocked up the whole 
the whole uh blocked up the whole track but um gosh there was a lot of bumping and banging and, and i mean i i thought for sure these guys were going to start fighting after <laughs> yeah it's it's unusual to see a big one on a short track like that but they said it was reminiscent of uh the big one at Jaladega. so uh it took out 15 cars i believe and uh uh, I think a lot of people just kind of chalk it up to short track racing. Yeah, and, and that's about what they did. And Ryan Blaney looked really tough. I mean, like you said, he won the first two stages. I actually thought Ryan was going to end up winning the race. And uh, Kyle Larson was even part of the part of the melee in there too. You know, bumping and trying to get around. You know, drivers. Joy Logano was especially um, aggressive out there. And uh, but you know, Martin Truex. I don't know. He avoided the wreck and, and ended up back in victory lane again. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is amazing. Um, you know, uh, a race at uh, Martinsville is always fun. It's short, good short track racing. Uh, there were several cars uh, that were out because of the accident. Michael McDowell was one of them. Uh, as was uh, Daniel Suarez, Brad Keselowski, and he'd had a couple scuffles before that. Alex Bowman, Justin Haley, Ryan Priest, and Corey LaJoy were all out due to accidents throughout the race. Uh, Eric Jones actually had a problem with his rear gear that kind of put him back at the end of the field as well. So do you have a points report up, Sal? Yeah, we got the points is um oh, let's see if I have to right here. Driver points, we have a shake up this week. I guess we don't. I thought I thought Martin Truex had taken over the top spot. Nope. Well he, but I guess he did. In a way he did because he's got two yeah. wins and nobody else has the two yeah. wins. So in a yeah, way so, he did. I mean, it, but, yeah, as far as the playoff points, Martin Truex did take over. But in the regular season points, until we get to the playoffs, but for regular season right now, we still got Danny Hamlin leading the points with zero wins. Martin Truex in second with two wins. Joey Logano in third with one win. Kyle Larson in fourth with one win. Ryan Blaney in fifth with one win. William Byron in sixth with one win. Chase Elliott, who is still winless in seventh. And Kevin Harvick round out the top eight out of 16 uh, with without a win. So our top eight is, um, it's, gosh, I mean, some good you know, when you look at you, it's some good names and, and names that don't have a win, and we're already eight races in the season. And yeah. Hamlin, Hamlin um, Harvick are still and uh Keselowski is still without wins. Mm-hmm. And Keselowski is and, ninth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I hadn't gotten to Keselowski yet. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I should stop it. Yeah, Harvick still hasn't gotten a win yet. And then um, yeah, from there, then we go ninth. Huh? Yeah, it is. It's amazing. And then from there, we go to we go to Brad Keselowski, ninth, Christopher Bell, tenth, Kyle Busch, eleventh, Chris Bell, of course, we know has that one win, Austin Dillon, twelfth. Ricky Stenhouse, 13th. Chris Boucher in the 14th spot. Kurt Busch in the 15th spot. And on the 
actually he's not on the bubble, but in the 16th spot is Michael McDowell with his one win. So he'll actually he's already seated inside the um, inside the top 16. So uh, man, what a you start looking and Kyle Busch is still holding on to that 11th spot. Chris Bell, like I said, is the 10th. He'll move up with his one win, and and you look at uh, you know all the other drivers, and then of course outside looking in is Ryan Newman in the 18th spot, who slowly cre- crept up, you know, and mm-hmm. you know into uh, you know in, in, into a contentious spot along with Alex Bowman. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's really interesting to see. Uh, some of these names that are below the line that could potentially get a win before it's all said and done, which would displace some of those guys that don't have a win yet. So uh, that's how important these wins are. And you got to think that people like Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, uh, those guys are going to get a win uh, before it's all said and done. You've got to think. But who knows in this season? What's going to happen? Yes, and you know, and that's the same thing with, uh, and that's the same thing with, um, uh, you forgot to mention um, Kurt Busch, who is also, mm-hmm. who should also probably end up with, with the, you know, win before, you know, before the end of, before the season yes. ends. You yes. know, and then of course, so, you know, it's, and then you look at Ross Chastain, who's down at 25th spot, who's also, you know, he's he's another driver who, who we've seen him, you know, win in different different divisions, different times. So, but that top 16 yeah. is really an, an interesting. It's an interesting group of drivers for sure. And uh, Denny Hamlin, you got to think he's going to come up with a win before this was all said and done as well. But he, one thing you can say about Denny Hamlin is he has been very, very consistent, and that's why he is leading the points. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, he's, just, he's been consistent, you know what, and, and uh, you know, when – and then when you look, Martin Truex is doing what he's done every season since they started this. With the playoff points, look at Truex's mm-hmm. playoff points. He has 11 playoff points already. And the only drivers close to him are Kyle Larson and Brian Blaney with eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and that's with eight races already in to the season. So five more races will be halfway through the regular season. Yeah, he has a he has a uh, a lot of playoff points compared to first place uh, our first first place driver, which is Danny Hamlin, who only has three. Yeah, it's amazing. And Kevin Harvick has again. and Kevin Harvick has zero. I know, is that crazy? We've seen Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex. You, you know, you know, they start racking them up. He doesn't have any. I know it, it really is wild, but I you got to think that at some point he's going to come through with a victory. Um, so I wouldn't count any of these guys out yet. I, I think there's still a chance that some of these guys that have goose eggs right now are going to end up with a victory before it is all said and done. 
but Sal, we're we're just about up at the top of the hour. Uh, any final thoughts you want to leave us with? No, I mean it was a, it was a good show tonight. You know, um, you know it's just you know I don't know I, I you know just a little bit like when we talk you know off off the off the show you know with the you know with the way the, um, NASCAR has the you know the schedule you know with the truck series is you know as long as they're off and the Xfinity series you know then you know the thing with the um, with the NASCAR with the Arca Menard series you know the the long um, the long uh, span they have between races you know it's kind of in a sense it's kind of depressing especially with the West series you know because I'm out here on the West Coast. You know, to see they're only going to run oh, okay. eight eight points races for the West. You know, they've been sitting dry. You know, for oh, they're going to be sitting dry for over two months. But you know, either way, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. You know what? We just got to enjoy. You know what we have, and you know, and just glad to have the fans back. It's really neat to. It was really neat to walk into Orangeville on on Saturday night. You know, and see the fans back in the stands, and you know, and and uh. You know, hopefully, you know, it's a trend that continues out here. And, you know, as the numbers drop, you know what, the, you know, the the capacity as far as, you know, letting the capacity, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll start letting more and, you know, each, each time it gets, uh, you know, every time it starts to open up more and more. Yes, indeed. Well, I've sent a message to James. We'll see if he's able to uh, co-host for you next uh Next uh, Monday night, I understand you won't be able to uh, be on the show next Monday. Uh, so uh, hopefully James will be able to step in. And I've sent him the uh, text message here. Uh, and if he can't do it, then I'll go to uh, Andy or Jay and see if they can do it. But uh, I hope you have a good birthday next uh, Monday night. So. Yeah, we're going celebrating my 25th birthday next week. So, actually, it's on Sunday, but we're going, we're going on 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 Monday to uh, we're going on Monday to uh, to go celebrate it. So. Okay. Well, enjoy your 25th birthday. Ha ha ha. And (laughs) turning 30, turning 30 again, turning 30 again gets rough. Yeah, Yeah. somewhere around there. I know. I know I'm gonna know my thirty twenty five or thirty one of the two. I gotta I gotta go back and relook at my birth certificate. Okay, okay. Well, you can give us the update in a couple of weeks when you come back, uh, and right. let us know how your celebration went. But thanks, Sal, for all okay. that you do, and we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday! All right, all right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you later. Good night. Okay. Good night, everybody. Okay, we are past the top of the hour, and that means that we are now ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us tonight, uh, we've got a full house here. First, I'm going to go to Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, one time, just one time, that's all I ask, is if we can get Sal to come on Hot Topics with us. I just <laughs> caught the tail end of your conversation there. I wasn't unmuted yet, but I wanted to jump in with him uh, on the uh, on the points thing, so... Uh, one time uh, before before he gets too old, before he gets into his thirties, uh, maybe we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I told him he's welcome. Uh, he just has to let me know when it's a good time for him. Okay. We also have Michael Orzel here tonight. Hey, 
Oh, man, it's been way too long since I've been on. Good to be back. Yes, it has been a while, Michael, so we're glad to have you back. And also joining us is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk. Well, we're we're happy that you're able to uh, step in. Uh, we really appreciate it. So, uh, Jay, let's have you kind of kick it off for us tonight, the first hot topic. Well, shoot, I don't even know where to begin. Uh started putting up some uh, hot topics this afternoon, and the next thing I knew, I was like, well, we got too many that we're going to be able to handle. Um, the first one, I guess, Mike and I were just talking about this, and I, I truthfully almost missed it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. saying that Junior Motorsports moving to Cup is no longer out of the realm. He didn't say when. He didn't say it was a guarantee. But he did did say that it was no longer not a possibility. And so I also saw on Twitter somebody had up the question of who's their first driver. So we'll start there. (laughs) Well, I think I know, but uh, we'll see what Mike has to say. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I saw the same traffic with with Dale Earnhardt kind of taking the – taking the, the hard no off the table. It didn't sound like it was anything he was super enthusiastic to do for the 2022 season or anything. Um, but it's it, like Jay said, it has gone from uh, being a hard no to a, well, let's not say no anymore kind of a thing. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces that are involved in there. Some are easier to take care of than others. Uh, first and foremost, I'm not sure what the ownership percentage is, but Rick Hendrick does own a portion of Junior Motorsports. I believe Rick Hendrick would have to sell his stake in the team in order to uh, not be constituted as having additional cars beyond the four cars that Hendrick Motorsports already has. That's relatively easy to take care of, especially on paper. I think probably a bigger obstacle to overcome will be the lack of charters that Junior Motorsports has. Um, There's a finite number of charters, and I haven't heard anything about NASCAR increasing the number of charters that are available. So that means that Junior Motorsports will have to try and find charters, one or multiple, depending on how many cars they want to field, if they want to be guaranteed not just that field entry position, but also the revenue sharing that comes along with being a chartered team. Um, There is competition for charters that are out there right now. Uh, The 37 team of Ryan Priest currently does not have a charter at all, and the number 99 of Daniel Suarez with Trackhouse Racing, they're currently on a leased charter from the number 77 team leased from Spire Motorsports. I believe both of those teams have full intention of running full-time for the foreseeable future, so a potential additional team would be competing with those two teams already existing in the charter market trying to purchase a charter that may be available at some time in the future. And then the third uh, third piece that is uh, to be considered, like you said, is the driver piece. But, you know, as, as drivers come and drivers go, that's probably easier to take care of, especially in the future when there's a little bit more of a picture of exactly what's going to take place. Um, but, yeah, something's interesting to keep an eye on and see if it moves in that direction, all as a result of the Gen 7 car and supposedly the lower cost of operation of doing it with that car. Yeah, that's kind of a cool feature of all of this. Tommy, your thoughts? I'm excited. Um, I miss DEI, and I'm glad to see that Junior wants to hopefully get involved in Cup again because I was just seeing the other day on Twitter where Kenny Wallace was basically talking about how NASCAR misses DEI because had DEI been huge, who who knows how it could have been for the sport. 
So um, I'm super excited to see the juniors talking about this. And like everybody has been saying, it's it's easier to it's cheaper for the car and everything, and easier to get in that way. But the problem will be the charter part because, like uh, Michael said, uh, Suarez and I know Priest are looking. And I believe I saw something not too long back ago that Suarez's owner is having a very hard time finding a way to get it secured, actually. And they've been running well. So, I mean, and even Ryan Priest has been running well. So, tough market for sure there on the charters. But uh, I'm sure Junior can figure out a way to get involved if he really wants to. And um, too soon to be talking about a driver for sure. I mean, I know there's a couple guys that are going to need rides in next year, like Matt Benedetto, to name a few. But I'm just glad to see Junior wants to get involved. Maybe he'll even rename it something cool again, like DEI for the fans and everything. But I think this is exciting news for sure. Oh, he'd have to fight the Wicked Witch of the South for that one. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me just say, I, I think this is really good news. I have to agree with uh, all of you that uh, having Dale Jr. have a team in the Cup Series would be very huge for the series, um, just like DEI was huge for the series. Uh, that didn't work out quite the way they originally planned, uh, but to have Jr. Uh, uh, you know, make this happen, whether it's next year or the next year or the next year, uh, doesn't really matter. The tease is out there now, and uh, I think that there's probably a strong possibility uh, that this will happen uh, at one point or another. So uh, it's got fans really kind of uh, salivating, if you will, for it to happen uh, when it does happen. So uh, I'm sure that uh, maybe they know something that we don't know and they can know that they can make things work out for their benefit. Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, but, Mike, you brought up some good points of some other things that they're going to have to overcome. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how the rest of that story plays out. But, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts since you brought this up. Well, and i got a lot of them here rattling around in my head. Uh, first off, uh, I'm with you guys. I do think it's great news. I don't want to jump the gun. You know, he went from saying it absolutely would not to it, it's a possibility. The opportunity is there, uh, as we saw with Denny Hamlin and some others with this new next-gen car. That was the goal. However, then you got to look at the charter system and the way ownership works, as Mike said, was the first thing. Um, I know in our group there I use the word manipulated because it is. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. You know, teams have more than the four teams. It's a matter of how they put it on paper and list different things. You know, Hendrick can actually turn over complete ownership of Hendrick Motorsports to Gordon uh, and then put his name under Junior Motorsports or however that would work out. So I don't see that as truthfully as a big a hurdle as anything. I think the charter would be the first and primary one that too can be worked out that one i won't use the word manipulated that one can be worked out because i think if junior decides to go he's going to have some backing whether it be from other sponsors himself or or, uh, rick hendrick that i think they will come up with a charter uh again it may they may have to pay more than somebody else would or somebody else may not even want to sell but 
uh, money talks. So, and I know that Hendrick mm-hmm. Motorsports has struggled with some sponsorships or whatever, but like I said, I think if that were the case, I think somewhere down there. So for the first year or two, when you talk about the revenue sharing, it's going to be at the bottom end, but that goes back to then of you got to start somewhere and build. Um, but I do think that if they decide to, when and if they do, to make the jump, that I think they will one way or another come up with a, a, a lease or whatever charter to start. And I do think NASCAR needs to take a, a look at this. If their goal was to get more driver or team owners involved, that's one of the selling points of, hey, if you got it locked at 36 and only 40 spots, we're not going to come join to take the chance of being one out of four to get in. So I think that the, that may need to be reevaluated down the road, as I've felt it always has. Uh, the last one, uh, the driver, uh, I know, and, I, and like I said, somebody, I don't even know who it was on Twitter had this up, but I did respond to it. I think ideally – and, and this would say it's in the next year or maybe even two, that Justin Eilgar should be their first driver. Say, for example, if they, do, if they run a limited schedule next year of five, six, seven races, I think Justin Eilgar should be their driver. Start with that veteran driver, one they know and trust and does good in good equipment. Down the road, Mike, the future is Noah Gregson. I know you wouldn't say it, probably don't want to see it, don't think it, but... I really do believe that Gregson is the future. Uh, Does he have some maturing to do and things to handle? Yes, as do some of the other ones out there, as we all do as people. So, but I do think that Noah Gregson is the future, if not at Junior Motorsports, somewhere. Okay, so Mike, your follow-up. Yeah, there's a couple, couple more issues, you know, that kind of come up with this as well. Looking at Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, they are one of the premier teams in the series, in fact, the premier team. So does Dale Earnhardt Jr. want to go from being a big fish in a small pond to a minnow in the ocean? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Regarding the driver piece, hey, Jay, you want to go double or nothing on that case of Mountain Dew? I've got a bet I can't for even you. Get you to pay I, can't, I can't even get you to pay me as it is. Well, that's because I won the last bet. Here's your <laughs> new bet. My bet is Josh Berry gets a third win in a junior motorsports car before Noah Gregson does. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll take that bet. <laughs> okay, there, there we go. That's my take on it. Uh, like I said, Johnny? I'm just glad that uh, uh, I'm just glad that junior is at least thinking about it and considering it because I think it will be huge and uh, I mean, the Charter will be the more challenging part, but he will have – I mean, it's junior. He's going to have sponsorship from all over the place probably, and somebody will definitely back it if he's trying to get back in the sport for sure. So that they would make it happen. Um, I was just sitting here thinking, too, would junior pull up a rookie for the car? But um, I think they would probably do Allgaier – first to give him a shot and then I even thought Barry because I mean even though he's a rookie this year in the Xfinity series he's still 30 years old and I mean was this his like seventh race I think and he just won so I mean he might deserve a shot in it too but uh Gregson is the one that they're grooming probably or now Sam Mayer even but that's even further down the line so I don't know time will tell who he would put in that car but uh I'm sure it would be 
someone someone relevant. Okay. Uh, well, let me start with Gregson. Gregson's future is in his own hands. He does have some maturing to do, whether he wants to admit it or not. He he needs to he needs to mature, especially if he wants to move on to the Cup Series. Um, and you know, if 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 he keeps resisting that, and he keeps thinking he knows better than everybody else, then I don't think that. Cup Series ride is going to materialize for him. Uh, so that maturity is a make-it-or-break-it kind of deal as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, the real question is how does Dale Jr. feel about it? Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, with regard, a thought occurred to me as we we're talking here uh, about the charters, and that is, you know, we've been wondering who's going to be the heir apparent at Hendrick Motorsports. We know Jeff Gordon is certainly in line for that. He owns uh, at least one of those cars, if not two of the cars, uh, at Hendrick Motorsports as it is. So uh, what's the possibility of the charter coming through one of those, maybe one or two of those Hendrick Motorsports cars, and they kind of split that up with Jeff Gordon taking two of those cars and Dale Jr. taking the other two cars with the capacity to expand to four, not immediately, but somewhere down the road. So just a thought there, if you're looking at the bigger picture of how that could happen, I'm not saying it will. Uh, I just think it might be a possibility. Um, and and so I, I think that, that when they decide that it's going to happen, uh, I, I think those guys are going to make it happen. And and uh, I think that Justin Algar is a good choice to be at least one of the drivers. Uh, and who knows? You know, you've, you've got uh, some drivers uh, that might be on the hot seat there at, uh, at Hendrick Motorsports, too, that would open the door for other drivers. So just just some thoughts rolling around in my head. I have no inside information um, but I'm curious to know your thoughts, Jay. Well, I said I had a lot of thoughts rolling around in my own head, and you and Tommy both just uh, added some more there. Um, <laughs> Sam Mayer, one coming up. Uh, we know he's going to split that yes. ride there with Josh Berry. So uh, that's another name. And that would go back to what Mike said of whether or not, uh, when we look at it, whether he keeps Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series as well as a cup team. And again, we're getting you know way way down the road. And all we've done is move away from the hard no. But uh, apparently, apparently we need to need to call Junior and tell him how we got this all worked out. But uh, <laughs> your scenario of of one of Hendricks possibly, I know we talked about that last year of whether or not Hendrick would be able to survive with all four based on sponsorship and other things. Um, that is a possibility uh, for sure. Uh, to start there of splitting that and then la- letting each of them grow. Uh, certainly a curious thought uh, to ponder. Um, I'm not sure I would see it. I think they they would go another route, like I said, of starting at the bottom with one of the lower tiers. But uh, that is a possibility that, that one of them, one or two like that, and they split it and that grows each of them the opportunity to grow. But again, at some point you still got to come up with those other uh, charters, and there is only, mm-hmm. as Mike uh, used the term, finite number of them. So 
that's where I think it's going to go back to NASCAR. They want more owners involved, but you got to have that opportunity for them and not just four spots. Uh, as, as a race fan, I've always been in favor of you show up week to week. If you're one of the fastest cars and can get in, you race. If not, you go home uh, and try again the mm-hmm. next week. I personally, again, I think that adds something to it. If 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 I if I go to a race and my favorite driver doesn't make it that week, yeah, I'm disappointed. But I know then there's 24, which is normal for a dirt track uh, event, fast cars that are going to put on a show. So you know, it just wasn't their week, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that adds, especially if you're talking points wise for the national championship. You know, you got a good driver missed a race, they got to make it up how much harder they're going to drive, how much more you're going to be behind them to see if they can make that up. So I think it adds from that perspective, for me as a fan anyway. Okay, some really good points there, but we'll let that be the final word. So, Mike, you get to bring up the next hot topic. All right, this is a a little bit of a follow-up from a topic that we talked about extensively last season. Um, This past weekend at Martinsville, Travis Mack, the crew chief for the number 99 track house car at Daniel Suarez, was ejected from the racetrack uh, for unspecified ballast issues with the car, something about ballast in the jack post. Um, We talked extensively about how NASCAR should send a message regarding uh, teams and playing around with ballast and being outside the rules on that. So I'm wondering what everyone's thoughts on the Travis Mack situation is, and does this sound a lot like a lesson hasn't been learned so far? Okay, Tommy, you get to uh, start us off on this one. So uh, I don't really know much about uh, the mechanics of the car that much, but um, I do remember last year that one of those fell off and someone ran over it on the track, which was a big deal because I believe that they're heavy and that um, mm-hmm. they can they can cause some damage. But other than that, I don't really, really know much about it. But um, I do see here that you also said, does it derail track house's momentum? So I, if I remember how the race was going yesterday, um, Truex did, was a lap or two down but he was working his way up in the, into the top 20, top 15 when he wrecked out. So, I mean, I think he was moving his way into the top 10, so that was really good. So, I mean, he was, he's, they still seem to be on the, tra- on the right track, even with Travis Mack not being there yesterday. But um, You're talking I'm about, sure they uh, would, uh, you said Truex, but I think you meant Suarez, uh, right? Suarez. Yes, I'm sorry, Ms. Suarez. Okay. I didn't mean Truex. I thought I, I thought I said Travis Mack was the the crew chief. Um, uh, but he even with him not there yesterday, they were still doing good. Um, so, but as for the ballast, though, I'm sure he will get fined or docked for that for sure, since that's a that's a big deal. Since that could have fallen off and been a uh, even worse if someone would have ran over it and damaged the car. Okay, good point. So, Jay, your thoughts? Do we have to Okay, sorry. On, I was Jay? actually – yep. No, I was scrolling through Twitter there. Uh, I'm not sure if the penalty was for putting it in a different place or improperly secured. Improperly secured is a huge issue, as Tommy talked about. I mean, these are bricks, uh, basically, and if they're not secured properly – coming off is a huge safety thing and cannot be tolerated. 
uh, and that goes across any racing form. Uh, if it is a matter of putting weight in a different spot in the car, now you're just talking about uh, an illegal move or an illegal adjustment to a car, which in the terms of cheating and, and, and going around the rules obviously is important, but for me anyway, at least not as big as the safety issue of it coming off the car. And uh, Tommy said he's not real familiar with it. Again, the weight in the car is a huge thing. A uh, quick uh, thing with the a dirt track friend of mine that let me ride with him, a two-seater factory stock. He always had female drivers, so I didn't know if I was going to be allowed to. But when I asked him, and again, my mind was just, uh, he always has females. He said I could, but he wanted to know what I weighed. And I immediately, that's why it hit me, because yeah. if I'm in the car, he can move weight to the other to a different, or has to, uh, realistically, because you're talking 100, 100 pounds or say between me and most of his riders. So that that's a huge mm-hmm. factor. Um, especially from my understanding of where they had moved it. Uh, again, if you have weight on the left side of the car, the car wants to lean to the left. You're going around in a circle to the left. It's automatically doing what you want it to do. So uh, that, that's a very big thing when it comes to that of the handling of the car. Um, and there's reasons, again, for rules on it. Uh, so I'm not going to say I don't want to play it like it's not important if they're just bending the rules versus the safety, but I do think the securing of it is a very big issue. And I know Mike and I talked about this real quick. From my understanding, the penalty has already been the 10 points in the one race ejection for the crew chief. If there's more coming, I don't see it because, I, like I said, that's one they normally, from what we've seen last year with Ryan Blaney's team, that was it. That was the penalty. Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, now, it was originally posted that Travis Mack was ejected from the infield of Martinsville for improperly attached ballast on the jack post. But then the update says that the 99 car was found to have added ballast outside of the approved container. So the team was penalized with the loss of the 10 NASCAR championship driver owner points. Uh, they had to start at the rear of the field for the race, and their crew chief was ejected from the event. Personally, I, you know, I don't know that there's a huge difference between it being added outside of the approved container or being improperly attached. It seems to me that it was still a safety issue. And for that reason, I think, Ten points is is ten points, but I think that there has to be more um, of uh, a penalty in my mind for the crew chief. This guy was also, if if you remember, he also served a penalty for two loose lug nuts at Phoenix and had to sit out a race because of that. Now he's got the the ballast issue outside of the approved container, uh, 10 points and in, in just being ejected from one event. I think we all agreed last year when we talked about this that that just isn't a penalty to remove the crew chief because they've got all kinds of ways that they can still communicate with the team, even if they're not at the track. So um, I know uh, Jose... Velasco Figueroa stepped in as the crew chief, uh, but I think I think there has to be something more, uh, more points, 
something that really says we're, we're just not going to tolerate this for another a second time. So, Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, kind of to echo your opinion, and we talked about this a lot last year, I think we're at the point now where NASCAR needs to do a, this is a, a suspension until we feel like getting back to you, and you might want to go cut the grass or pour yourself a drink because it's going to be a minute kind of suspension. Um, clearly, teams are not getting the picture regarding ballast. It's one thing to mess with the ride heights or have the camber off a little bit or something, but the last thing I and uh, hopefully most people want to see is one of these ballast weights going through a car's windshield or up into the grandstands because those things could hurt or kill somebody without too much trouble. So to, I, I get Jay's point about, yeah, there's a difference between uh, improperly mounting ballast because you failed to do so or trying to play at the rules. But when you're talking about something with that kind of density and weight and as a p- potential projectile, that's something that you there should be a little bit of discretion, but not that much discretion. Um, just like if a wheel falls off of a car, for example, that's an automatic four-race suspension right there. Regardless of the circumstances, if a wheel comes off of the car, it's a four-race suspension. Why? Because a wheel is a very dangerous thing to have loose and uncontrolled out on a racetrack. And it's the same thing with these ballast weights. A ballast weight probably weighs close to the same amount as a whole wheel and tire assembly, but it's the size of a brick instead of the size of a big wheel and tire. So that kind of weight and mass hitting somebody can have catastrophic consequences, and it needs to be made abundantly clear that that is not something to play games with under any circumstance for any reason. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and make my announcement here. Uh, For any of the new people uh, that are here, uh, just to let you know, we do go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do continue recording the rest of our conversation, and that part of our conversation is available on our podcast as part of our bonus overtime material. So if you hear us go off the air in mid-sentence, just know that the rest of that conversation is available on the podcast. I'll go out uh, on Twitter as soon as we're finished and uh, let people know that the podcast is now available. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to that two-hour mark, and you can then hear the rest of the conversation. So just a, a quick update for everybody. Uh, especially if you're new and, and aren't aware of the fact that we do will go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time that we are continuing to record. So, uh, again, uh, Mike, I think you had something more you wanted to say there. No, that was my piece. Um, like I said, throw the book at them. Uh, make sure they hit them with all the pages in that book. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? I was going to say uh, uh... Thanks, Shay, for explaining it to me. It makes sense now in regards to the weight because I remember watching on uh, Junior's Download how they've been talking about, like, adding air conditioning for the suits and how most drivers and crew chiefs don't want that because it's just extra stuff to put into the car, and they, they don't really want it. So I know that's it's still kind of completely different than the bows, but, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about all the extra weight and stuff in the vehicle. But... um. I didn't realize either that they had already announced the penalty and stuff. Um, I didn't. I don't really remember last season what, what the penalty was for the guys that had the ballast issues. But I just remember being a problem last year, 
And it sounds like you guys are right about them since it was a problem last year and now it's a problem this year. It seems like they're just experimenting with it and maybe it is time for them to crack down on it since it's become maybe it'll be a serious issue and I don't want to see uh, one of these parts go flying off and into a car and um, causing uh, extensive damage and maybe even hurting one of the drivers or a spectator for sure. That's not good. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm not really mechanic, so I don't really know. I'm sorry. Tell but, me, go uh, ahead. But, um, other than that, um, I don't see Trackhouse struggling, though, because he was working his way back up into the top 12, and uh, I'm more worried about them securing a charter because that video I saw two or three weeks ago on Twitter of the owner talking about it sounded like he was having a very difficult time of getting a charter, so... I hate to see that because I feel like Suarez is finally doing uh, very well and uh, running well again. So um, I hope it works out for him at Trackhouse. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, as we discussed last year and, and having to do again this year, I think we're all kind of in agreement, Andy as well, not being here tonight. Uh, the crew chief one race suspension really is, is nothing. It's gotten to the point where that's just a joke. Um, as as we saw, uh, the long term effect uh, when I because I'm the one that mentioned the momentum of the team. Yeah, they still did. We're re- we're recovering and running good this weekend. But again, as Sharon pointed out, if if we're beginning to see a trend of this particular team or crew chief or whatever, uh, I was waiting for you to reference Chad Canals. You know, when it's happened multiple times <laughs> in a year, maybe they need to uh, to take a look at it a little harder. Um, Going, going back to the ballast, and that's where, like I said, my belief, and Sharon read the update as to what the penalty was and what it was for, having an unsecure, improperly secured is a very serious one. And had they found it improperly secured, I don't know if it would have been as strong, but I believe, and I'll have to research some of this, last year or the year before in the Xfinity Series when one did come off the car, I think it was a 50-point uh, loss. So that's what makes me think it was it was secure. It was just in an appropriate place. Now it's a rules infraction, not a safety. Do I think that the 10 points is a little light? Yes, but I much more you know agree with the 50 points for safety. If it's the safety thing and improperly installed and going to come loose, I like what Mike said. I've never heard it said that way. You throw the book at them and make sure every page hits them. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I have to agree, as I said before. I just think that we're not going to wait until a ballast does go through a windshield before we decide that it needs to be a stiffer penalty. Uh, I hope we can be more proactive on this and take care of it before it gets to that point. Uh, But you're right. If there are some trends going on here and it's the same people all the time, there's one thing about pushing the envelope but I've said it over and over again. These guys are very intelligent people. If they can be that little bit over, they can certainly be that little bit within. And uh, I just think that these guys are too smart to be making these kind of mistakes. Uh, and they need to be uh, they need to be called to task for it when they're making them. So, uh, Mike, I'll let you have the last word on it. Normally, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, the next guy to do this is going to get it kind of threats and penalties and whatnot. 
because I, most of the time I feel like that's unfair to somebody who might be in an unfortunate circumstance or, you know, just the next guy to have some bad luck. But for something like this, especially in racing, like Jay said, teams are always looking for the littlest advantage. So if you're catching one guy doing something, there's a good chance there's a few other guys in the garage doing the same thing you just haven't caught. So as much as I hate to use the phrase make an example out of somebody, at some point an example is going to have to get made to show that this is not a tolerable place for people to play games and accept their little one-race $10,000 slap on the wrist because at the Cup Series level, especially like you said, Sharon, with the communication resources that are available, that's a nothing penalty. That's a strategic decision at their point. If they gain 11 positions because of shenanigans, that 10-point penalty was was worth it. That was a worthwhile investment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got to put some teeth behind it that is something that the team must consider, and it must be something the team can't strategically plan around and figure out how to have a net gain over that penalty. Okay, so we'll make that the final word on that topic. And, Tommy, you get to bring Sharon, up our Sharon. next topic. Yeah. Sharon, can, can, yeah. I, can I suggest you have the final word on this topic? I, I always tried to get it right, but you said first time is a mistake, second time. <laughs> yeah, first I wa- time I is hear uh, it. an accident. Uh, first time is uh, an accident. The second time it's a coincidence, but by the time it happens the third time, it's become a habit, and it's usually a there bad habit by that point. So uh, this guy's had two calls on him already, so he's at the coincidence stage. Uh, he does not want to let this go to the habit stage um, and because this is a very bad habit to establish. Okay, so, Tommy, you get to, you get to uh, start us off with the next hot topic. Let's go with now that the different winner streaks is over, do we still see 16 different winners in a regular season to make the playoffs? Okay, Jay, you get to lead us off here. Well, this is another one Mike and I. Mike must not have been doing something because me and him were uh, chatting back and forth. I think 12 to 13 uh, is almost a given at this point. We got Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick who haven't won yet. With the seven we already have, that's 12. So 12 to 13, we'll give one extra just for a, a a surprise winner, which we've already had, but there could be multiple surprise winners. Those couple that are on the verge, we've seen it. We've been talking about the track house racing, Daniel Suarez. Uh, I put Bubba Wallace on the list. Um, and then you got, uh, Mike mentioned Ricky Stenhouse, Austin Dillon, Cole Custer, who's won, Kurt Busch, that maybe don't win every year, but have at least or come closer, have one win throughout a year. Right, there's four more, so you add that to the 12 or 13, you're talking about 16, 17. So the, obviously as we get more repeat winners, which I do think we're going to see throughout the rest of the year as Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin's going to get multiple. He just hasn't gotten the first one yet. That chance is decreasing, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities yet. Uh, again, like I said, start with the top five. We're looking at 12 for sure in my opinion. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. I was worried Jay was going to burn my whole list, 
because I, I listed off a large number of drivers there, uh, but he didn't get to some of them. Um, we did have Austin Dillon, Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, and Kurt Busch all won at least one race last season. They have yet to win this year. I wouldn't say they're a sure thing. In fact, you know, that, those four names that Jay listed off, you know, Elliot Harvick, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, uh, as sure bets for wins, well, Maybe not. Kyle Busch didn't win a race in the regular season last year, and Denny Hamlin didn't win a race all through the 2017 season. So what we see as a sure thing may not be a sure thing, but I am in a, I'm in strong agreement with Jay or else I wouldn't have put out the list that he's, he rattled off there. Uh, I'm pretty sure all those drivers are going to get at least one win here in the regular season. And, you know, Matt Benedetto is another name to throw in there, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. I don't think any of those three drivers would surprise me by winning as much as Michael McDowell did. So you've got probably <laughs> somewhere between 20 and 25 potential race winners by the time the regular season ends between the guys who have already won, the who we consider to be a sure thing, or guys who won in the previous season, or the guys who a lot of people feel are right there knocking on the door. Yeah. As you're talking, Mike, I'm, I'm envisioning the possibility of the regular season champion uh, having the most points being going into the playoffs without a win and perhaps being, uh, you know, in that 14th or 15th or 16th spot because of the people ahead of him with wins. Wouldn't that be an interesting scenario to see? Um, but I think, you know, of course it's possible uh, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But, um, uh, I, you know, I, I do think that there's a possibility that the five drivers that Jane mentioned, uh, they certainly have the capability of coming up with a win. Uh, but Mike brings up a good point. Not all of them are necessarily going to get a win. Uh, and yet there's other drivers that we don't normally think of getting a win, like a Cole Custer or a Daniel Suarez, uh, who could come up with a win, and all of a sudden now they're up in there in the top 16 because of that victory. So uh, it's going to be Tyler Reddick. you got to put him in that category too. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season to watch to see how this does play off. Uh, we were talking earlier about Kevin Harvick. It's amazing he has no playoff points at this stage of the game. He has no win yet this season. So he's just, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if he ends up without a win before this is all said and done? Um, it's, it's hard to believe that we're saying that, but it's possible. Um but I do think we're going to have quite a few winners in this year's uh, group of people. And I think that, that scenario that I brought this up with of having a regular season champion that is going to go into the playoffs back in 13th, 14th, 15th, or 16th spot uh, as a result of, of uh, all of the drivers that do have wins when the playoffs begin. Uh, the cream usually rises to the top when the playoffs begin, so I wouldn't expect that to last very long, but it is a possibility that it could happen. So, uh, Tommy, we're back to you. So what are your thoughts? I'm just thinking with the schedule and the way things are shaking out. I mean, Talladega is two weeks away, two weekends away. Mm-hmm. 
so much potential. I mean, Newman could win, Almaroa, DiBenedetto, Wallace. I mean, even Spire Motorports. Spire Motorsports has a win with Haley at Daytona. I know it's a rain delay, but I mean, they've been putting cars in the top 10 when they enter in Daytona and super speedways. So, I mean, you could even say Corey LaJoy or probably Haley in that 77 car could get a surprise victory. Um, Alfredo's at Front Row Motorsports, McDowell's teammate. They just won 500. So, I mean, they're super speedway program is is good so he might can even be a threat i mean there's and then i even had this one in my head um if calling racing puts in a car at coda i'm sure that they'll put almond digger in that car i mean there's he i mean never say never i know that he did the road course and he was running in like the top 20 in that area most of the race but i mean he's still a road course ace and if they put him in that car at coda he's a threat in my opinion, but um, it's it's super exciting. I I think that since they're calling it the best season ever, it would be rather ironic if there's 16 winners and the regular season champion is the 17 looking in and he gets in and hurts someone's feelings. That would probably be the way it goes. <laughs> okay, Jay. Well, this is when you're talking about, especially when you're talking about points. And this is where I said when I when I was in a little bit earlier and I heard Sal talking about it, talking about Martin Truex having the most points with 11. And we've seen that in the first years when they went to the playoff points. Truex, the first one to truly capitalize on it. We've seen Truex and Harvick uh, do that in the past uh, as the most predominant. But Harvick having none this year, I don't think you can put Truex in that because it's also about stage wins and, and running good throughout races. Har- or, uh, I'm sorry, Truex has 10 of those 11 because he is the first two-time winner, and you get five for winning the race. In years past, mm-hmm. even if he wasn't, he'd only have two or three wins, just as many of his points was coming from these stage wins, which we're seeing different drivers uh, do this year, and that's why you have that narrow gap. Uh, the wins are going to be that much more predominant because it is the five points. Um, but I think we're seeing other drivers that are getting these mid-race stage points to equal out to that. Uh, and it is going to become very huge, as you said. And, and we saw it last year with Harvick, and it didn't unfortunately carry him all the way to the championship, which I do like uh, that it didn't, not necessarily for Harvick, but... Um, having that big points uh, him and Denny Hamlin had built up with their eight and nine victories didn't carry Harvick into the championship four. So I like that we're trending that way, that we're seeing more division, and it's going to be about racing your way in and one or two points, and we've seen this multiple times throughout, one or two points is going to be a huge difference. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? I don't know a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't know. But what I'm pretty confident at this point is if I'm Michael McDowell, I need to start getting really nervous in this situation. Because if we do have 17 winners, it goes by points. So if Michael McDowell with a Daytona 500 win has one win, that tiebreaker for who gets those 16 uh, playoff positions is based on their finishing position in the regular season points. So if Michael McDowell is the lowest points position driver with a win, 
then he will be on the outside looking in. Uh, so maybe he is racing Massa Benedetto, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, those drivers who might sneak in there and grab a win, but still be right on that lower end of the points scale. Uh, it becomes that much more important for a driver like Michael McDowell to not just assume that they're in the playoffs based on that Daytona 500 win, based on the trends that we've seen so far this year. Yeah, then he might need two wins, right? <laughs> we'll have to kind That's of see how it plays out. That's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, because if a lot of drivers have just that one win uh, and it goes below the 16 people mark, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be in the playoffs. So, yeah, the best way to secure your spot is to get that second win. And you're right, the competition is going to be a lot more competitive as a result of that. Uh, because I do think that we're going to see some surprise winners uh, before this is all said and done who may not be in that top 16 right now, but that win is going to propel them right up in there uh, as long as they can kind of keep their points up there as well. So uh, Tommy said it. It's going to be interesting to see how it does play out. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball, uh, but I don't because I can make a lot of money if I did. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch and a fun year to to keep your eye on. Tommy, go ahead. I was just going to add, too, you can't leave Stenhouse out at Talladega. Um, He's been running good this year, and then Ryan Priest has been running well also. So, I mean, there's – it's just wide open at this point, and then there's still a few people that, like we've been talking about, that haven't won yet that will win, like Hamlin and Kozlowski and Harvick and Chase Elliott. Um, and then you got the people that could win, like Alex Bowman. Um, also, you can't count out Chris Buescher. He was looking good at Homestead, won a stage. I mean, it's just wide open this year. It really is exciting to see everybody competing the way they are, and I do think that we might see 16 different winners for sure, um, possibly. But anywhere in between the, the range of 12 to 16, I think, is where we're definitely headed for sure. Okay. Uh, so we'll let that be the final word. And, Jay, We've got a few more minutes here. Do you have a quick topic for us? Well, I'm not sure if it's quick, but and there was one I did want to hit on, uh, and something Mike said uh, a little earlier, of making an example out of somebody. In the Xfinity Series this weekend, NASCAR did penalize in race, uh, and I can't think of who it was, um, a driver for intentionally bringing out the yellow. And I'll leave my comments to it uh, on, uh, to the end there, but they did did penalize a driver for in race for bringing out a, a yellow intentionally. Sharon's still there? Maybe not. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I, I had the mute button on. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I saw that. Um, Interesting to see. I, I, I want to say it was Joe Graff Jr., but I don't. I'm not super confident in that answer. So don't quote me in Joe Graff if you're listening and I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, I don't either, think it was Joe Graff. No. Either way. Okay. So 
like you said, the name isn't super important. The important point of discussion here is that NASCAR did make the call and penalized. I think it was a one-lap hold, um, and then they, you know, obviously the driver had to get back out onto the track and up to speed. So I think the net loss was close to two laps by the time they were back out at speed. Um, and it was their judgment call that the driver intentionally spun to bring out the caution. Um, I'm not sure if they've got any sort of objective criteria that they use to determine that, whether they're looking at loop data or the throttle and brake traces or, or whatnot, which, by the way, was really interesting to see that brought up on the screen there at a couple points during the races uh, where they overlaid the throttle, brake, and steering inputs. That was really cool to see. So I'm not sure if NASCAR is using that data in order to try and objectively determine or if it is just a judgment call based on the officiating. Um, They've got Pandora's box open at this point, so hopefully they've got some sort of a standard and an objective criteria that they can use. So if somebody wants to complain about it, they can point to, hey, you checked this box, this box, this box, and this box. It's pretty obvious that you did what we say you did. Um, Because when we're talking about big money racing like we are, that's a big money call that they're making on these guys. So hopefully they've got something to stand on with it. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? Um, what comes to my mind is just over the years, like uh, I remember Robbie Gordon at Atlanta one year brought out the caution by throwing something out of his car. And then I feel like the reason why that was a big deal, he did it with like a few laps to go in the race and it kind of changed the outcome of the race for one driver. While, while I, I hate it for that driver, that is one factor that I feel like some of these drivers cause intentional crashes or or not intentional crashes, but intentionally spinning. They have done it late in the race before and it has uh, brought out a caution and then a restart and it's kind of shaped up how things have ended. So there is that part of it. But um, I like the fact that if that, that guy did intentionally spin out this past weekend, they went ahead and penalized them on the track instead of just finding them after the race because I feel like that's what they did to Bubba a couple of years ago. And then already this year, Bush spun out at Vegas, and, you know, there was kind of uh, speculation that that might have been intentional, but then they determined that it wasn't, I believe. So um, I just think that sometimes it affects the outcome of the race, and sometimes it's – I wouldn't say – you know, I don't want them to intentionally do it to change the race, but sometimes it does make it more interesting at the end when it happens. Yeah, I remember that race with Robbie Gordon, and it definitely did uh, change the outcome of that race. And a lot of people were up in arms about it. Um, so this is something that's been going on for quite a while. I remember people talking afterwards saying that some of these guys regularly carry extra little bits and pieces in their car that they can throw out when the time comes right. Um, and and it was a kind of a common practice. So uh, I think NASCAR tried to crack down on it then. Uh, obviously, it's kind of uh, raised itself to a, a different level now with the intentional spins. Um, I, I had not heard that they said that Kyle Busch's spin was not intentional, um, because to me it sure looked like it was intentional, uh, and and uh, I do think that they, if if they determined how it wasn't intentional, I'd really be curious to know what they base that on. 
Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that they need to make the call. I applaud them for making the call, but Mike brings up a good point. They, they probably, I hope they have a checklist that if there's a complaint, all of those check marks are, check boxes are hit and uh, there's no arguing about it. So, Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, and I'll try to be quick. I know we got it coming up on it. My problem here, and I'm normally not the negative person, I won't say who is, but I think that here in this case, NASCAR wanted to make an example and say they were, or show that they were doing it. I don't feel that whoever it was in the Xfinity series necessarily truly did. I think it was an oppor- I think NASCAR saw it as an opportunity to put it as that and say, hey, we are watching it kind of as a threat uh, to other drivers. Uh, had this topic not come up here as of recent in the past month, I don't feel like that caution would have been labeled as such and pe- the driver penalized. Um, and the, the reason I'm going with this is, is I want to say it was one of the lower tiers back marker cars that it happened to. And when I go back to Kyle Bush's, and I don't remember which race it was a few weeks back when majority of us felt that that one was intentional and Kyle said he wouldn't talk about it. There was a problem with the car. We just felt he should have been able to handle it, not spin out. Sunday in the cup race, Kyle said, oh, something's broke, spun out, and yet continued, and then talked about it on the broadcast on TV. They didn't see a tire down. He didn't have any other kind of issue. They didn't fix anything on the car. I personally believe Kyle did it again, but over the radio to his spotter and crew, he said, oh, I got a problem, and that's when it happened. But I think that was very specifically done because NASCAR has been keeping an eye on it. And I, like I said, it's not very often, but I truly believe that the one in the Xfinity series that was penalized was made as an example, and I don't know that he necessarily even did it intentionally, but it wasn't as big a factor for him. He was already in the back. Uh, and I think that's why NASCAR kind of chose to do it that way, just to show that they are doing something. Okay, I thought, an interesting thought. Mike, your your follow-up. Jay, how can you pick on Andy like that when he's not even on the call to defend himself? Come on. <laughs> I told yeah, you I it was nice right. to have you back, didn't I? <laughs> uh, I told you we're the cut rate indisputed. So there you go. Uh, anyway, um, with regard to the points that Jay brought up, you're right. I think that it was kind of a shot across the bow from NASCAR to not just the Xfinity series field, but all their major touring series in general of, hey, we're, we're looking at this, maybe at least be a little bit more discreet about it. And I don't know, maybe Kyle Busch had that in his mind when he, when he threw out the, hey, something's broke call about half a lap before he spun the car out. I don't know. It didn't get a lot of TV coverage. Kyle Busch wasn't having the best race for the most part. Um, so it's not like he was driving around with a flat tire and then spun out. Uh, but maybe he did feel like there was some adjustment that needed to be made to the car and it was better to do it under caution. I don't know. I'm, I, I can speculate on the circumstances as much as the next guy. Um, but maybe this will kind of reduce the number of the intentional, just egregious uh, spin outs like Kyle Busch did at Las Vegas and 
we all pretty much are convinced that he did it, and Kyle's smart enough not to admit it, especially after seeing what they did to Bubba Wallace last year. But even even Kyle Busch was wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of admitting to what he was doing there. Hopefully that puts puts an end to some of it. But kind of like Tommy said, sometimes a caution here and there is not necessarily the worst of things, especially when you're you know lap 300 of green flag racing out of a 500-mile Atlanta race. It gets a little tedious, and maybe a yellow here and there is not the worst thing to happen. Okay, Tommy, your, your follow-up. Uh, I just like that they're going ahead and penalizing them during the race versus just finding them afterwards. And, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's interesting at the end if they do intentionally spin and cause a late caution because that restart could be crucial to the ending. Yeah, that's true, but that's kind of the whole point of it is it's just influencing the outcome of the race, and you're not supposed to be doing that artificially. So, you know, NASCAR's got to decide how they're going to handle it. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's kind of nice to have that caution sometimes uh, to kind of lighten things up a little bit and make it a little more exciting. But um, at some point, you know, you got to make the call, too, about uh, if you want the end of the race to be influenced that way or not. So, Jay, we'll let you have the final word here. I know, I know Sharon likes it when I do this. I don't want it to become WWE, whether it's by drivers or NASCAR uh, being manufactured. And I was not on the bandwagon back in the day of the what they called the phantom caution. So I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it that NASCAR does it or drivers either way. If Martin Truex has the car and leads 400 or 500 laps out of a 600-mile race, then guess what? For that week, you got to give him props. Uh, was it the most entertaining then? Maybe not, but give him props. They, they were ready, prepared, and did what they came to do. Um, I don't want to see NASCAR either, though. In, in this case, I like I said, I feel kind of bad. I think there has been more obvious situations where it was intentional even though it wasn't admitted that they didn't penalize this one like i said i don't feel like and i'll put this out there what mike said you can speculate it is my personal opinion but on the other side of it i don't think there is any way no matter what kind of uh graphics or um electronics they have you know, if you came off the gas, well, my foot hurt. You know, I mean, I was stretching my toes or whatever. So going by the telemetry and stuff from the in-car isn't a guarantee either. If they put it down as, hey, this is what we're going to check and watch, and drivers know it, okay, so be it. But I don't think that is a guarantee either. There is no real guarantee. It is going to be a judgment call, and that's where I don't want to see it become because, again, it's, it's a tough place to be, and you're never going to be 100% right. You have a white line, yellow line, don't go below the yellow line, that's obvious. you got a pit box, you're pitting outside the box, that's obvious. This isn't something that is, and I just I want drivers not to do it so that NASCAR doesn't have to worry about it and we don't have to talk about it. That's what I'd like. Very good point. Okay, so uh, it's that time of the night where we need to wrap it up, so we'll start our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you. 
Okay, so um, I have the Twitter now. Um, I still can't change my Twitter handle yet since I just created this fan account, but um, NASCAR fan since 95 or at since 95 fan is the Twitter handle now. I uh, just created the account, so please follow me. I've only got three followers right now. Looking for more. And as um, soon as I get a little bit more followers, I'll start tweeting out some content and also should have an article coming out about North Wilkesboro soon. Okay. Uh, Mike. It's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Come on and downvote all of my unpopular but completely correct opinions that I post on a regular basis on there. Remember, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means that you're mad. I've got an article going through hopefully the final stages of editing here, the next in the series of the hot seat articles, uh, looking at another driver who might have a uh, different opportunity to excel beginning next season or in the near future. So keep an eye on on that, hopefully by the end of this week. Okay. Uh, Jay. All right, Mike, uh, you weren't on last week. Uh, Tommy mentioned his three followers. I think that was me, Sharon, and Andy. So uh, go ahead and get him four by uh, clicking on his there as we we help him build his uh, following over there. Um, You follow me at Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And had a muddy weekend. Hopefully get to be back at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, with some sprint car action this next weekend as well as the article on Michael McDowell. We talked about him a little bit uh, already in the program. Uh, I'm going to have to incorporate that into the article on on where they may end up in points uh, with a win or not. So look forward to that. Okay, I'm going to make this short and sweet. I'm Van Racing site on Twitter, Van Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, VanVerracing.com. Now, um, I want to do a shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you. Uh, and to the Fan for Racing crew and all that they do. Uh, and with that, I think uh, we'll be ready to call it a night. And, uh, yes, I will have those articles out this week for sure. So uh, with that, let's call it a night, guys. Good night, everybody. All right. A lot Talk of fun. to you Thursday. <laughs> Good night. Okay. Good night. We'll see you next. uh, We'll be here on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time.